just the fact that they believe that he's the yeah, best coach 100%, is, yeah, is yeah. unbelievably powerful. Then if the fact that he is as well, like that's the buy-in that sometimes coaches, if there's any bit of doubt, they don't get that. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Alright, Dre, welcome along. It's uh, one of those days where we need about 12 hours to get to everything that happened. A uh, very good morning to you if you want to get in touch. 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. You can leave a comment at Off the Ball AM or you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream to make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Off the Ball, if you want to leave a comment. Shane is here. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning, how are things? Very good. Adrian's here. Adrian, how are you? Morning, Joe. Shane, how are you doing? Shane is singing La Cucaracha in his Monaghan accent this mm-hmm. morning. It's a good day. I, I uh, couldn't couldn't sleep last night. I think I slept for two hours. I was too excited. <laughs> too excited to talk about it. You were, yeah. you were filming you and your old man for the Instagram. That's very dangerous territory there, Shane. Yeah. Especially when the old man doesn't want to be filmed, probably. He but, did not uh, look very happy about the whole thing. He was actually... People said that to me, oh, your dad was very relaxed. Dad was not relaxed. He was just avoiding the camera. He, he literally... Like, Who's this guy? <laughs> he, he literally had to walk out with three or four minutes left. He had to walk around the kitchen and pace. Uh, he was like... What are Tyrone doing? Are Tyrone still winning? Are Tyrone still winning? It was it was a nervous one for Monaghan fans. Are your actually. family a bit like... What's your man's name down in Kerry? Tig thinking about he's the influencer <laughs> down there. Are your family a bit like, oh, Jesus, here's your man. Like, are you actually <laughs> recording about like 500 of those snippets a, no, a day? No, None of which see the light of day. Is that what happens? I'm very much a man who lives in the moment. Now, I did just take a video of you two lads for my, for my story. And by the way, Ger, I will say that vehemently, uh, a couple of weeks back, we had uh, one of, on a Friday, we were discussing, you know, the merits and demerits of videoing sports moments at the, at the key moments. And mm, there was yeah. one person particularly in the room who was adamant that yeah. that's not something you should be doing funny good, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander check right? the time the, the games were actually over the games were, were all finished so it was all good it was a celebration time Major. the game was finished it was just finishing up yeah oh it wasn't yeah, you, were, yeah, you yeah. were filming in the middle of it it's finishing up <laughs> out of it uh, there, are, there are literally too many things to get through there's like a, a row on the pitch between Cork and Kilkenny in the uh, league there's uh, Kylian Mbappe knowing who Evan Ferguson is yes we can the headlines in the back of that there's uh, the Irish rugby. We are going to get the Irish rugby team. The, the Stephen Cluxton came back yesterday quietly, almost imperceptibly. We'll get as much of this going as we can in the Gillette Labs performance rankings now. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. Yeah, feel free to uh, give us a bit of crap in the comments if you want for not getting to what it is that you want us to cover in the Gillette Labs performance rankings this week because there's just too much going on. Shane wanted us to start in the green, by the way, which we do on very special occasions when there's only one thing that we can really talk about and we need to make sure we do it, but we're not doing it. Oh yeah, it's not a big deal, yeah. It's not the Grand Slam, man. Go away, would you? Uh, can I also just say, it's, it shouldn't be Monaghan in the green at all. It should, should be, be Kieran McManus. Like, what the hell? Conor McManus. Conor McManus, Jesus Christ. That's the, the old Sunday game trick. <laughs> Where, but Kieran, Kieran was a good footballer of his day. I don't even know if you ever scored, ever scored I, one I've had a little senior moment at the start of the show today. <laughs> Can pissed I please me off have twice, a coffee? Yeah. That's twice you pissed me off already this morning. Great player, Kieran McManus. He was, he was, to be fair. All-star. Nowhere near as good. I'm sure he was an all-star Nowhere near. I, I was... I've been out here, Joe, that's all. Screwing up... Screwing up the Hall of Fame is one of the great things that the GA has managed to do over the last 10 years. Where They, they launched it and then just forgot about it because it obviously didn't have a sponsor at the right level. 
uh, and I don't mean that like a, a brand. Somebody wasn't driving it, but like McManus. Yeah, statue in the town, maybe. Statue. Well, I don't know. It's just this is ridiculous. Ah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. We're, we'll, not, we're not starting with the green. No, we're not. We're not. We're we'll starting the red. And because uh, then uh, you can't clip that. But exactly. Yeah, the news that uh, the news that came <laughs> late last night. What was it after ten o'clock? It was ten twenty p.m. Uh, thank you, Colm. Um Antonio Conte gone from Spurs. Hardly surprising, but. Um, I guess the international break was the perfect window to, in which to do it. Now, we now have a, a clear understanding of his performance record in terms of uh, how he compared uh, managerially percentage-wise to uh, his other clubs. Juventus, lads, he had a win percentage of 67.5%. At Chelsea, it was down slightly, 65.1%. Down slightly again at Inter, 627 and 54.1% at Spurs. I think F- the big thing is that he won leagues everywhere, though. He did, yeah. Not at Spurs, no trouble. At Inter, that was, uh, you talked to Inter fans... Um, when that news came through, they're like, oh, this is transformative. He's going to win the league because he always wins the league. Mm. Yeah, maybe he will. It's slightly strange that his second uh, man in command, Stellini's, taking the, the job to the end of the season, Ryan Mason as well. There was a video that went viral recently, I don't know if you lads saw it, of um, during the AC Milan game, the second leg, and Tony Conte is giving directions to Harry Kane, and Ryan Mason is standing beside him, and Kane looks to Mason as if to say, what is he saying? What is he talking about here? What's, what's, what does he want? And Mason just shrugs his shoulders. He's like, I don't know. Walks away. It's brilliant. Well, did the uh, team doesn't the magic touch for a couple of games where Conte was away. Is the timing of this not a little bit strange than nobody else think? Like, we're eight days now since their last game. Where you mentioned the international window, Shane. Like, the international window is nearly closed. Like, it's mm, a bizarre yeah. timing. If you were into a bit of a conspiracy there, um, I don't know how we feel about a nice conspiracy in the morning. Throw it over. Bit, there's a little bit of tinfoil hat, but England have um, just finished their game, obviously, and Harry Kane would have been very much front and centre over the last number of days, obviously chatting about all that. And now is not. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be commenting about this thing. It's it's strange timing. I did whatever about that slight tinfoil hat aspect to it. Certainly strange, isn't it? That like there's no new information has come to light. Well, the rant is well old, the, unless they've sidled up to. The training sessions hadn't. There was nothing. There was there was no work being done. He wasn't due back. He he was in Italy. He was due back to take training, and so it was like, don't come back. That was yeah. it. So there was no job for him to do in the meantime. There was going to be job for him to do, and also I I think to your point, uh, if they had sacked it, there would have been constant questions of Harry Kane. They wait until the moment where the news dump happens at its most appropriate moment, and obviously this was done ages. Like yeah. they, you know, they were just. Coming to an arrangement. Even in terms of clearing the decks to talk to the new person, whoever that would be. Maybe that's the development. Maybe there's a little... Well, I think the other... Sorry, you bring up developments. Like Thomas Tuchel, the the dominoes are falling. Other clubs are getting their managerial house in order. So um, they want to know what's out there. And I don't think they're going to get somebody new in this season. It it looks like Mm. that dynamic duo partnership who have taken the club over already for couple of big games and done pretty well in those big games I think that's the, the thing here but uh, we're like we're not you knew it was coming so it's not a surprise Nagelsmann I mean the timing of Nagelsmann's departure uh, from Bayern is you know could work out perfectly for them if they wanted to go for him I think he's the favourite is he? Uh, let me just double check the odds uh, he certainly last night when I checked was the favourite but it, would it not make sense? No the, 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 they've confirmed that the two lads are taken to the end of the season right? Isn't that in itself slightly bizarre? Because, like, if an Eaglesman or a Pochettino or whoever it is that comes available, surely over the next, there might have been weeks, over the next few days, they're just going to go, Grad, you're in. And then they have to slightly kind of go back in their word a little bit. But uh, Well, no one cares at that stage, right? Maybe nobody cares. Can't, the whole Conte thing has been slightly bizarre in a lot of ways. There's not many people saying that the job is above Conte, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's more to do with this sort of narrative that 
he's pumping himself, obviously, post his 10-minute rant, and obviously results, and they're standing at the table and all that kind of stuff feeds into it. But at the same time, there's not a lot of people going, he's just not up to the job here. Like, he's going to walk into a big job in Italy or somewhere else somewhere, somewhere very soon. He just checked out mentally, didn't he, so long ago? Like, it must have been a strange few months for Spurs fans where, like, our manager doesn't even care anymore. I know he's had his, look, he's had close family and friends passing away in the last number of months. He's had the gallbladder surgery. So he's had a tough time of it, Antonio Conte. And I suppose you forget sometimes that these lads are human beings, even though we're always like, oh, well, they're in loads of money. They're, they're well compensated for their, for their travails. But still, you have to have some sympathy for the man. And it's probably best for everyone that he's gone now, for himself included. Fergus Keogh wants to know, is Conte really the problem or is it Spurs? I think it's the latter. I mean, he's asking the question and I think he knows the answer. Like, it's not a series. It was a fourth manager in four years. I was surprised it's only that few. But there does seem to be a constant... Pochettino's probably the one outlier. Just this constant cycle of managers and, you know, not buying players in the correct positions, not buying the best players available. The whole Harry Kane saga Mm. limping on. I did think that there was a, a world in which actually Conte and the timing of his arrival at Spurs was perfect. The stadium was open. They still had Harry Kane... He was a manager who would anticipate and expect a massive injection of cash. They have the resources to do that on the basis of the amount of money that they're making on every match day that we keep hearing about. And the fact that like Champions League football means that they'll be able to fill the stadium, blah, blah, blah. It, it felt like it was actually a perfect marriage of, of opportunity and moment. And somehow Spurs and Conte, I think, both blew it. I, I don't think Conte emerges unscathed from this. I don't think Conte is, is still... Uh, at the same level as a manager that he was. Uh, now, the team is fourth. That's probably about where they should be. But mm-hmm. I still think that they could probably have been pushing Manchester United this season. I don't see a significant difference between the uh, the two squads. Or I don't think it's as big as everybody says it is. And they did invest loads of money. And it was supposed to be players that Paratici was buying for Conte and Conte's style of football. So he definitely... Uh, suffers in this and Spurs like really I mean you know if you're a world class manager who's thinking about enhancing your reputation as opposed to just getting a payday are you going to Spurs now? Like Spurs will be much better getting Brendan Rodgers in than Julian Nagelsmann if you talk to the we had Jasmine Babb on the show for ages and she's like Nagelsmann's teams don't make any sense his style of football doesn't make any sense so I'm not surprised Byron kicked him out like Somebody here is saying in our comments, uh, Nagelsmann came on the market, so they pulled the trigger on Conte, and apparently Spurs wanted him before they brought Conte in. He is the archetypal, short-lived, 18-month manager who comes with a massive backroom team and a massive reputation, and you're paying him for two or three or four years, and you're on to your second or third manager afterwards. So... The you know. Well, are you waiting? Are you waiting if you're one of those managers to see if Spurs get top four? Because the then music starts, the merry-go-round goes, <laughs> somebody hops on the carnival, the Barkers are there. Like roll up, roll up. I'd say there's a lot of managers looking at that Spurs squad, going, oh, "I don't fancy them getting top four this season." So maybe don't take over the job now. Wait but, and see. But I they don't get know, Champions League. On Jer's point, I don't know that that changes at any point. Like they just they're not going to ever spend enough money in the market. And even like there's chat about Deserby, wasn't there, over the last couple of weeks? Like, would you? Stay at Brighton and build your project there under some like really smart. They make some really smart acquisitions. They've obviously got an amazing uh, pool of players there. Or do you hop into this absolute like basket case of a club where you're going to probably knock a year out of it and then they're going to run you out of town? And Kane will be out the door as well, probably. It, does it does it increasingly look like, it like obviously is, depends is Kane on the money. going to be uh, Matt Letizia, right? And look back in his career and go, 
I mean, sorry, Matt Letizia doesn't look back on his career. <laughs> the many things he does at the minute is to not look back on his career with any regrets, but he probably should do, I would say. Penley Merchant, um, I would say. But is he, is he going to look back on his career and say, oh, I really, really, really should have got out of there when the goal was good? Well, I think Spurs are a much bigger club than Southampton, first off. And, you know, so Harry Kane's also like England's record top goal scorer, so... Uh, and as a golden boot at the World Cup, so I suspect he'd be happy enough. Yeah, but if King goes into punditry in ten years' time, do you do you want as your super underneath your name on TV when Spurs are playing? Oh, finished goal scorer in the history of English football. Yeah, but uh, for, uh, for club so games, post ninety two for club games. I mean, what trophy has he won? I mean, okay, got to win trophies, Jer. You don't actually. It turns out you you actually don't. That's all bollocks, right? Like oh I won I won three league cups I'm a genius like we, ah, we you can't t- crap you players can't, have won. Anyway, with a, pl- a player with Ken's, with Ken's ambition you got to be thinking yeah. he wants to be at Man City or he wants to be at an Arsenal probably not Arsenal he wants to be at a club that are actually winning something surely that's yeah but I, I don't think the ship has sailed I, um, I I think Spurs are going to spend money and Spurs did spend money like Spurs were big big spenders last year and have been slightly unfortunate with some injuries and. Um, so I don't think it's beyond the bounds of possibility that they will spend. It's just that I don't think that the culture of spending and the the architecture built around scouting is is good enough and strong enough at the moment. So that's why I'd be wary if I was one of those uh, world class managers. The one thing about Deserby is right. So how much is Deserby on at Brighton? No doubt he's on a million and a half to maybe two and a half million max. Does he then get ten million for going to Spurs? In which case, irrespective of whether or not it's a yeah. basket case. What are you saying to that, Adrian? Um, Does that change uh, your tune? Which, which where, where, where's the bit of paper? <laughs> where's my pen? <laughs> where do I sign? Uh, all right, move on. Um, will United be knock, knock, knocking on Evans' door this summer? Asks Jim Sullivan. Again, stranger things have happened. Uh, James McCullough, morning, gents. I'm gutted for Manager Air, not in the green for the performance rankings. We were predicted mid-table in Division Three, but topped it with six wins and only one point lost. It's a remarkable story. We will, we will do the rest of the uh, league GA stories later on in the week and we'll get into the power rankings and all that kind of stuff as well it doesn't matter who takes over Tottenham will always be a club of the bottle it's in the club's DNA a club of the bottle I like what you've said there it may be well be a typo but it makes perfect sense to everybody and we all know exactly what you mean they are a club of the bottle did Rory did, did Rory bottle it did, did Rory should, should he have been in red I, I don't, two up with three to play in the yeah. semi-final of the world match play maybe and then he beat Scheffler in the consolation match I don't know I think. or is, is Rory in green because his form is back there you go I don't know the, um, the Ferguson to United thing by the way it's been interesting to see my social media feeds have been stacked full of like the latest sort of hipster football uh, what would you call them contributors oh, yes. in, in, the, uh, in, in England basically who've all sort of like in a domino effect Oh, this guy Evan Ferguson. They've all seen each other making videos about Evan Ferguson. And the latest, latest one is Goldbridge. And he's gone, this Evan Ferguson guy. I mean, he's been, ca- even Evan Ferguson, I saw him get called him one of them. And, uh, you know, United, United should be interested in this guy. I've just discovered him. Um, <laughs> Named so. after the poet Ivan Boland, of course. Of course. Famously. Uh, shall we move on to the other yeah. uh, performances of the weekend? And uh, still in the red is Goldbridge uh, pro him, obviously. Yes. Oh yeah, they oh, all yeah, are. Yeah, it's well, like it's like I've discovered this kid. Yeah. You, remember, you remember you heard it here first, and the twenty other influencers. What a scout you are, Goldbridge. Well done. Um, Irish women's rugby bad weekend. You kind of thought, oh, they're going to get some revenge on Wales after last year, but uh, it wasn't to be uh, in the, that match in Cardiff, and a disappointing defeat. Uh, nearly 5,000 people a record crowd over in Wales as well for them um, ill-disciplined I think is a, is a phrase you could use to describe Ireland's performance Nicola Friday the captain was, was fairly disappointed speaking afterwards and she pointed to a number of things it's one thing losing a game in the Six Nations but when you haven't played well for the guts of an hour 
it, uh, it certainly adds to the element of disappointment and it leaves you thinking, right, well, we've England and France at home. Uh, those games, with all due respect to the Irish team, are going to be very, very difficult to get anything from. So this seemed like an opportunity to maybe sneak a, a top three place in the Six Nations this year, but it's off to the worst possible start, lads. It's, it's fairly disappointing, to say the least. It's not way to get a disaster. Uh, it's um, certainly there's, there's a few people. I don't know if, if you follow the the same people on Twitter that I follow, but there's a, a guy who's been involved in club rugby and the women's game for ages. Who, uh, like every couple of weeks, will have a, a long thread of the list, the litany of problems in women's rugby. And every time you read it, you're like, "Well, this all seems to make a lot of sense." And uh, it doesn't seem like the stakeholders in the club game were ever involved in what happened over the last 18 months to two years. So it looks like there's been the, uh, the phrase is window dressing, I think, in Roy Keane's piece in the um, Mail today. A lot of window dressing is done at the top level and they're hoping somehow that last season's tour to Japan could somehow get the current crop up who, bear in mind, don't have all their best players because we've decided to prioritise the sevens over the 15s game because of World Cup qualification leading to extra money and so then it kind of becomes self-financing. We were trying to fight these two wars on two different fronts with no resources really when you compare the women's game to the, the men's game or even the Irish women's game to the English or the French women's game or now it turns out the Welsh who are all playing their club rugby um, in England too. So uh, I, I, it must be very difficult for the coaching tickets um, for them to assess where to go but the IRFU are totally and utterly 100% responsible for this and the people who are in charge of the IRFU have been involved in the IRFU for a long period of time we saw that letter that um, the players all signed is that two years ago now? is it, is it, is it less than two years? Is it? Uh, so I don't know I think that this is the chickens coming home to roost really and um, the talk of finishing third now looks fanciful and it's a real rod for their backs because that's what they said like oh we, we need to be the best of the rest behind France and England and the performance levels weren't there. They looked well off it. This may be an overreaction to one bad performance and maybe they can recover it over the rest of the Six Nations or else it is just a wake-up call for the RFU to go, actually, the stuff that we're pretending to be doing here by offering contracts and giving ourselves great pats on the back as an organisation for our equality is miles off where it needs to be. It was very dispiriting. Really dispiriting. And the points that you make mean that it's not going to get all that better anytime soon. Like that entire Wales 23. And by the way, you have to remind yourself that we were within a hair's breadth of getting the wooden spoon last year as well. And we're not going to be a million miles off. It was a last minute try against the Scots that saved at that time. But um, the Wales 23 are all playing their rugby in the Premier 15s, which is the best league in the world. And the Irish players... um, aren't and you know they're very much encouraged obviously to be home based players but like you say the system that's feeding the men's team for example and all the plotters they've got over the last while is just not there on the women's side Wales were um, Wales were grand like they were they, they, uh, their world class basics to borrow the phrase of the last seven days were absolutely uh, their basics were world class they really were like it, it wasn't as if they were doing anything um, wildly different to Ireland it's just they were able to execute all the basic skills brilliantly yeah, and, and and like you know, and like look, uh, there is, there's the there's the structure bit, and then there's the right. We have to pick ourselves up, and we have to welcome France to Dublin, obviously next Saturday, and we need to Cork. Sort of they're all they're all the to, yeah. to Cork. Sorry, you're right. They, um, this is that bit going on, and look, they'll be grasping at sort of whatever positives they can. It was five five in the second half. Um, maybe there's some way of uh, France is probably you know France. Um, struggled against Italy actually uh, over the weekend as well which in itself was slightly bizarre but maybe more of an indication that Italy are also going to head, uh, finish ahead of Ireland in the um, 
in the Six Nations. But yeah, you just couldn't get away from the sense of it just been an incredibly deflating experience. Yeah, the dispiriting and look, Wales kind of targeted that young Irish team as well. We kind of spoke with Quinny on that on Friday. Like, Sive McGrath's only 18 and she's thrown straight in and the Welsh pack just targeted her. You could clearly see that. So the, the youthful players in the Irish team had a tough time, but look, it's an experience for them. But uh, unfortunately for them, had to be in the red this morning. With stick with rugby for the, uh, for the Amber Lads because uh, next weekend, I guess you could say for the Irish provinces in the URC, Leinster will be top seeds in the URC playoffs. Uh, that uh, stunning 22-all draw with uh, the Stormers. Um, so the 19-game winning run comes to an end, but I don't think they'll be too upset. A lot of Leinster players, uh, of course, missing uh, after the Grand Slam uh, exploits. But a um, number of good tries, Scott Penny and Max Deegan among them, Rob Russell as well. I think Leo Cullen would be pretty happy with, with the way things Well, they were, getting, they were getting killed in the first half by a team laden with Springboks, and then yeah. they fought back to... Um, I think maybe they'll be a bit disappointed that they didn't get the victory in the end. Uh, like a difficult game for them, but when you look at the list of players who are to come back in both the pack and the uh, the backs, it's like a, basically the full Ireland team minus Sexton and Ringrose who are going to be back in for the game against Ulster next weekend. So the strength and depth that they have is really interesting and their ability to perform without those frontline players and their ability to come back from a situation and to dig in. There was, there was, n- there was numerous bits where there was one instant where they were attacking and it looked like they were going to score and the ball got turned over and uh, was it the Bulls they were playing? Stormers. Stormers, sorry. The South African team run the length of the pitch and they're about to run a try in when and there's great somebody's done a a, it might have been Berta Jackman on Twitter I'm not sure but points out that the the trailing winger has made up like all this ground to just about get over and jackal the ball and that keeps them at 22 and they don't score again. So it's like this kind of turning point in in the match where uh, it looks like you're about to score to get back in I think it might have been just before half time and all of a sudden you're forced to defend and I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's a complete contrast with the situation at Munster and I'm really interested to hear what Alan Quillen has to say about this because of all of the low lows that Munster have had the 31 nil down at home mm. what the hell is going on there? Because mm. it we we kept hearing that oh the Ireland team needs to be more representative. There's all these great young players who should be given an opportunity. They should be in the squad. Let's be having you now, lads. Where are you? Twenty eight unanswered points for the Warriors in the first half. That's worrying at ho- like at home especially. It'd be worrying enough in Glasgow. Well, Quinny was himself was saying, wasn't he, on Friday that the uh, Glasgow game, the upcoming Stormers game, and the upcoming Sharks game, I think in the URC are way more important than the Sharks game in the Heighton uh, Cup for for Munster, and that's an awful start for them. So both in South Africa, those two games, like yeah. as they're looking to stay in the uh, the URC, like that's that's worrying for Munster for sure. Um, How many teams, by the way? I when you when when you watch Leinster on Friday night, I love. I have to say, they're. I'm not saying they're uh, it's top of the list, but there are a few things I enjoy more than a URC game on a Friday night. It's an absolute cracker. Um, but they're 17 0 down. How many teams are you looking at in that position? Going, ah, Grant, no panic here. They'll probably get back into this game. <laughs> you know, like they're just... Uh, just and, and, and I don't know, on your point, Jar, how many of those players are actually um, going to be in the team for next weekend? Like, Yeah. I, like, possibly none of them? A few, very few of them will, will be. But, um, like, you've no doubts about Scott Penny now as yeah. somebody who will be the long-term successor to Josh van der Fleer. Or in 10 if, years' time. Like if, <laughs> if, he needs to get, if he needs to step in uh, at any point that he's going to be capable of doing that. And... Um, like you're definitely I, was, I had my uh, rugby app going who's, who's this what's this where's that what age is he and um, I don't know it's an incredible testimony to the quality of coaching that's going on like 
you know, in fairness, Munster did come out in the second half and show something. So there is something for them to work on in training this week. But it's very, very disappointing. Ulster, on the other hand, Ulster Ulster have gone from absolute basket case to, oh, this is what we thought you were the whole time. Tom Stewart Stewart show. I I, I think Rob Herring will start against Leinster next weekend. But all of a sudden, Dan McFarlane has a has a decision to make, doesn't he? I mean, Stuart's unbelievable. His try-scoring record rivals a winger, any winger in the URC. It's, it's incredible. He's um, he's certainly putting himself. I know Hooker is probably one of those positions where we're we've got a few options. Let's be honest. Well, but, I, I mean, uh, I mean, it's incredibly attritional. So, would you be terribly surprised to see him get some game time at the World Cup? I would absolutely not be at this stage. And he was involved. He was around the squad at Abbottstown throughout the Six Nations as well. Just didn't really get his opportunity, but. The performances he's putting in, lads. He's only a kid as well. Dan McFarlane was keen to point out after the game he has things to improve as well. He gave away a couple of penalties later on in the match, but of course he's going to do I don't that. think there's any... I mean, even, even what you're saying there, I, I think that Herring is going to start, isn't he? I mean, he's... Oh, he will, but like, surely there's a decision to be made now. If you score a hat-trick of tries, he's the form... Do you pick the he's form Herring player? Captain, isn't he? Yeah, but do you, like... Well, Herring's, Herring's not out of form. He literally scored a try. In the, he's just after yeah, of course. Scored a try in the Six Nations. So two two other things on this. They obviously have um, largely their first choice backs available to them, and that's beginning to look really impressive as well. So all of a sudden, what was a complete gimme when the draw was made for Leinster looked less like a gimme than it would have been. Uh, so you can expect a, a proper game, and uh, Ulster have definitely racked up big scores against Leinster before. And stuff has happened in the game, and their heads have dropped. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. Uh, in that game um, clean sweep by the way for Ulster against the four South African sides that's which is next, not bad no it's, I mean they've, they've completely rescued their season where you were wondering about whether or not um, everybody was aligned they are 100% aligned at this stage and uh, you would expect them to cause some damage later on in the, in the competition as well quick word about Connacht obviously this is the end of the Andy Friend era and he's gone out with a bang yeah 41-26 point win over uh, Edinburgh bonus point win as well performance was, was very good I think the atmosphere looked fairly rousing in, in the sports ground as it usually is Um and when you think about the fact that they're missing Mac Hansen, they're missing Bundy Aki, they're missing Finley Beelham, pretty good. I think Connick fans this morning will be waking up with a smile on their face. I hope they've made peace with Bundy, and I hope he's going to start playing for the rest of the season because they could they could definitely do with him um, being added to the team and you know uh, adding bums on seats as well, a uh, real cult hero. So anyway, uh, we say mixed weekend. Mm-hmm. It was a brilliant weekend for three of the provinces and a, a disaster from uh, Munster's perspective, but an opportunity for them to turn things around really quickly. And obviously they'll have uh, Peter Manny back in the side for next weekend. I, I do now think that all of a sudden that away game in South Africa is massive for them because if they were to go and get tanked, if they were to roll over the way they did in the first half last week, then something cultural is wrong. But if they were to be able to get a performance, you can write that off. We, we got something wrong in the build-up to it. We took our eye off the ball, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can in professional sport, you can blink away a bad performance if you get a good one. So mm. anyway, more on that a little bit later on. With Quinny. Somebody was uh, tweeting us the unofficial continuity Monaghan GA supporters club mm-hmm. with a picture of three cockroaches. Why? Because of this. By the, by the way, don't rule Monaghan out yet. The cockroaches of Division 1. They've always stayed up on the last day, usually. So beat Mayo. Hope Tyrone do them a favour, beat Norma. You just never know, lads. Come friendly bombs and uh, fall on, on the uh, Alliance you just never know. Football League. And uh, there was a, another nuclear conflagration. Yeah. Surrounded their bit by dragging our man into the deep water and drowning them like I thought yeah. they would. Well, you wouldn't let me talk about them in the green chair, which I thought, by the way, was a disgrace. You were like, ah, it's not that big. It's not that big a deal. 
Let's not talk about Monaghan early on. No one really cares. We're not leading with this. It's a joke. Let me tell you something, right? I, I, and clearly I said in the clip, I was, I was reasonably confident. People were coming up to me last week in their droves, on the street, in the <laughs> office, at home. They were like, Monaghan... Oh, that, that's three people, yeah. Go on. <laughs> great, great run, lads. Great run. He's had a great run in Division 1. It's, it's going to be a disappointing weekend for you in Castlebar, isn't it? I, 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 had to, I had to log on to RIP.ie to double-check had, uh, you know, had the funeral arrangements been made. Was it house private? What was the story here? I couldn't find anything. There was no mention of Monaghan's death or demise from Division 1 just yet. Uh, and lo and behold, they put in a performance yesterday against Mayo and Castlebar that belied belief, apparently. Uh, and a tenth successive year well, in Division well, your, 1 next Your year. underlying assumption there is that, that this was par for the course. Yep, from on it that is. never in doubt. But come off it. Like what? It's f- uh, five... Five out of the last nine years, is that yeah. right, that they've stayed up on the last day? Like, it's, it's absolutely in doubt. It's always in doubt. And, like, if you look at the record even, like, over the last couple of years, they scraped through and what? last year by uh, with a one-point win over Dublin. Yeah, um, a one-point win over Dublin, yeah. You'll take uh, it, won't you? Th- last year, down with the only team they beat in the championship. All right, right? yeah. Uh, here are their wins over the last two years in the league. Oh, now, right. this is a Division One Division One team, right, who you're saying justif- justifiably... Um, you're about to embarrass year yourself here, but go on. Monaghan, uh, they, they beat a poor Donegal team twice. Right. They beat a poor Dublin team, of course, last year. Poor Dublin team. They beat okay. Roscommon. They beat the Mayo team, who were basically already checked out oh, yeah. and had 10 changes from the previous the only, weekend. The only, That's the sum yeah. of their wins in total, right? Over two years. We're not talking about one year here. Sorry. Five wins in two years, and somehow they're staying. And they have Tyrone, obviously, next month in Oma. And talking about dragging teams into the deep Sorry. water, there was some conversation on the, la- on the Sunday game last night about the possibility of which way this game was going to go. At, Conor McManus is the one caveat here, but that notwithstanding, what are Monaghan? Monaghan are not a Division 1 team. They should be... Sorry, they've been in Division 1 for 10 years. They should be... Only they, Kerry have been in Division 1 for level. longer. They should, they'd be better off taking sorry, a step Sorry, you forgot the Roscommon game that they won this year. I uh, mentioned, by the way... I mentioned Roscommon. Well, sorry, they came to Clonus Roscommon, remember, having won their first three games. Monaghan were the first team to beat them. And then Mayo, it turned out they weren't as good as everybody. Mayo have their first defeat of the, of the year. I'm not getting drawn into your shite anyway. Monaghan, deservedly a Division 1 team. And by the way, they're part of the furniture now in Division Can one. I ask a question? So you're looking at them last night and they're a goal in three to two points up after no time at all and they look absolutely pumped. They're coming out the pitch, they're fisted. Yeah, yeah. What, they're, they're, is the problem that they just can't get pumped for games? Monaghan? Yeah. They, they were ahead. Sorry, they, were ahead. sorry, they do get pumped in a lot of games. I'm talking about like get pumped up for games or get, get up for games. It seems like... Like, if you look at their history over the last couple of years in the Championship of the League, you have to accept that they're not beating teams around them. They, stayed, they, they are beating teams around them. They're, they're staying in Division 1 every single year for the last 10 years. They beat Conor down McManus. in the Championship last year, Shane. That yeah. was it. They had, a, they had a poor Championship last year by their, by their own standards, of course. Standards. They did. Yeah, but by their own standards. Yeah, Monaghan are a top-tier team. Sorry, Monaghan have been in the top six in the country in the, la- in the last 10 years. That's, that's the league stats for you. Because to, to stay in Division 1, you, you have to be in the top a, six. A legitimate question, though, right? Yes. Um, uh, would they actually just be better off some some year coming through Division Two, bouncing in with a sense of confidence and a winning mentality, and forgetting about the Ulster Championship and trying to make an All Ireland semi final? They're a bit like the Irish rugby team in that they've never been beyond the quarterfinals, even though they've won a couple of Ulsters. And they, they were in the semi finals in the eighteen as well, yeah. In the semi final of the All Ireland, yeah, lost to Toronto by a point. Oh, the ball. sorry, sorry. Okay. But like this Monaghan team, I, I hear your point. Like sometimes they're better off with a good Division Two campaign. But the problem with Division Two is well, you lose your first two games, and all of a sudden you're thinking, "Jesus, we better not go down to Division Three. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to a, 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 one of the ultimate Monaghan GA men, and he was like, "Look, we're never going to win in All Ireland, but we can win an Ulster." I was like, "I don't." That's know not the attitude. I disagree with whoever I, that was. I don't know about that. Well, 
it's like you have to believe you can win the All-Ireland well I, I I I think that like the obsession with Ulster that's your white whale you kill the white whale and you're like oh let's get fat on the ball I, I actually think Monaghan's attitude this year is different I look at so the, my point about wanting to be in Division 1 st- look at some of the young players in that Monaghan and by the way that Monaghan forward line any county would be, would be delighted to have Conor McCarthy Conor McManus Jack McCarran Michal Bannigan Stephen O'Hanlon it's ridiculous the talent we of that do, forward we line. do just need to take a second for Conor McManus and what oh, he's doing at this second. stage of his career because every year at the end of the season he'll do a piece with us for the last four or five years and he'll be like oh you're going to have to be about retirement and it stopped it just totally stopped I don't think you should ever retire when you're able to do this in the league it like, does mean going. that anything's possible doesn't it like that's that's the one caveat from on and I would say one I, caveat yeah but, yeah, but yeah. no I would agree I would, I would agree and you're taking this as a personal slight which is not intended as but I would agree that they are better off in Division 2 and going in and winning a lot of games they're not they're Shane, not Shane they've won five games against average sides in Division 1 for various reasons either they're, they'd in Mayo's case obviously checked out or they'd not been at the level we thought they were no. in, certainly in Donegal's case uh, I, I, fair enough on the Roscommon one I can argue with you that over and back but I, their, their level is clearly if they've won five league games over Sorry, two years you just, their need, level to, you is you just need to win enough division games one. to stay up in Division 1 I know but that's that's like table rationale and it doesn't make full sense but of course it does you stay in division one uh, sorry how many I, I do see the benefit of it in that everybody plays division one football all yeah, the time but the they haven't players. been able to get to a point where they believe in themselves as realistic all other contenders and uh, anyway let's sorry, move on sorry Monaghan the group see the, the group uh, uh, I guess structure this year that suits Monaghan down to a team Monaghan hopefully played, they had a super eights group with Kerry, Galway and Kildare a few years ago and they topped it do you know, Monaghan lo- treated like a league, and Monaghan will treat that group in yeah, the championship okay, like a league. Okay, so and this year, okay. Ireland semi-final. If they treated like Quite a league. Hopefully. They'll be what? hundred percent. If Monaghan like a Monaghan every- league or like you know a good teams league. Vinnie Corey, Monaghan, up your bias. Don't listen to these lads. Fair play. You stay in Division One. Tenth year in a row. Jealous. They're jealous. Westmead would love to be there in Division One. Okay, C- move Kildare on. Would Get too. out of Division Three, Shane. Will you stop? Yeah. Well, listen. Enjoy your Tottenham Cup. Um, Stephen Cluxton, will we touch on him? Because the news kind of came out of the blue yesterday. I'm going to keep my Monaghan thing on my head here, by the way, for this conversation, because uh, I've put it on now. Um, yeah, walks out of the dressing room. No one has heard any rumours that Stephen Cluxton is back in the Monaghan panel. But all of a sudden, here he is. He in, the, in the Dublin panel. Sorry, of course, <laughs> the Dublin panel. Yeah, who did I say? Monaghan. Oh, did I? Well, Monaghan <laughs> on the brain, lads. Apologies. Um, yeah, for this game against Louth yesterday, a good win for Dublin. Uh, back up to Division 1, straight back up. Um does he play? I mean, what's the what's the end game here for for Stephen Cluxton? Is like Desi Farrell suggesting afterwards that he was kind of coming into over a few injuries? Yeah, I I think uh, we put Dublin in the green because uh, Dublin have Mannion back. Uh, they'll have McCaffrey back by the time the championship matches matter. Which let's face it, they don't have an important match again. Obviously, the the league final, and then there's a month of them playing a few friendlies before they get to the group stages. Right, and there's some trophy given out in the meantime that I wonder, will they go up the steps to... They certainly won't celebrate it wildly. Mm. Is it 13 in a row, 14 in a row that they're going to win in Leinster? They're back because they have strength and depth. I see people like, oh, they need to change their style of play. Like We haven't seen Dublin play football the way Dublin want to play football just yet because they don't need to. They're, they're the poster child for, like, get everybody back, uh, get some strength and depth. And I like I, I assume that him coming back means that they have significant doubts about whether or not Evan Comerford is going to be fit for the championship. I don't think he's going to start. That's my that's my instinct Oof. on this. I, I don't think he's going to start. I, yeah, but I do you think, think he should? I don't know. But sure we, how can you tell? Is he the same goalkeeper he was when he retired? If that's the case, then of course he should. Mm. But like the man in charge is the one with possession of the jersey 
who they've had in every game this year and who has done really, really well. Who was brilliant yesterday, by the way. So maybe Cluxon's coming back in some kind of coaching capacity and this isn't just, uh, oh, he's coming back to to slit the throat of his rivals like he you know I you think know this is like it's uh, I I think there's a big sort of a Paul Scholes back to United job about this I do think that there is a requirement they look at fair enough obviously they're low on numbers Desi was basically saying that yesterday that we just literally don't have enough numbers and then we've got like the greatest of all time sitting over here he said he's uh, available <laughs> whenever we need him so we'll stick him in but like you know even when you look at the coaching thing it wouldn't be the worst thing to say to O'Hanlon, I mean, the comfort's not gonna, maybe not going to be around the environment depending on the injury, um, to say to him, listen, you know, we've got the goat back. You just, like, take a seat there for a while and we'll come back to you next year. You just spend a year looking at this guy and what he does. Like, he probably wouldn't have even been in and around the camp when um, Cluxton was there last year. Like, there's a real... The one time where everybody's starting talking about Mayo to win the All-Ireland and suddenly Avengers assemble over here. Like... McCaffrey's back. Mannion kicks a point from the gods yesterday. Um, Cluxton's back now. I, I, I take what you're saying, right? But like, isn't a half a Cluxton as good, you know, nearly better than any other keeper that's ever lived? We and don't know. I, I like it. So, so, so that's fair if enough, he hits all his, if he hits all the benchmarks in training, then yeah. maybe you have to give him an opportunity in a match to see if he's still the same. But yeah, irrespective of whether or not he is, like the because I remember uh, I remember talking to somebody involved with the Cork setup when Don Lowe came back. I was like, oh, you know, he's got to go straight back in. They're like, what are you talking about? We've got Anthony Nash. Mm-hmm. No one's getting in, in his place because he's in and he's playing really well. So this guy who has played all season has played really well and was making brilliant saves yesterday when there was a, a goal chance. There was six points down, I think. He makes a brilliant save. The game is settled. The game is actually over. That kind of sucks the wind out of uh, Louth. So. I was even reading a piece in the Irish Times last weekend about David O'Hanlon and his kicking stats. His goal kicks have been brilliant. Yeah. Like, so look... It's a good, good problem to have, but I, I, I see people like, oh, this is, that's not what they need. It's like, well, it's, it's amazing. It's a shot in the arm for everybody. The standards, no one's like slacking in any drill when Cluxton is around. And uh, also, it doesn't, it doesn't remember, it's like, oh, Desi's lost the dressing room. He's lost all these players. None of them's coming back. And here's Cluxton straight back when, he, when he's needed. Mm. Like, it's incredible that they've managed to keep a lid in it for two weeks. It oh. really is. And I, like, when you talk about Desi, I think that's like a in this day and testament age, to him. That is, Smart, that is, smartphones. Uh, like, that's th- it's also detracted slightly from the bigger talking point around Dublin, which is like, where are this team going this year? Like, 40 minutes in yesterday, it scored, if I'm right, it might have been five points. Um, yeah. Against uh, look, people are talking about Louth, and that's absolutely fair enough. And I'm not here to have a We've pop at Louth, over time, but, but where this top, it'll be very interesting to see how they go in the we don't um, know, league we, final against Derry. I, I don't think, think we're going to know anything about the Dubs until the Ireland quarter final because, like as Leinster champions, they're going to be number one seeds. Louth, Louth. Uh, yeah, they're going to be number one seeds <laughs> in in the uh, round robin stage. Uh, where's their uh, neutral game going to be? Have we worked that out yet? Well, it Does depends it, on who's in the group, doesn't it? It'll well, be geographical, I suppose. I think the league final. I think the league final is going to be the best test we'll see of Dublin for the next while. I don't think the league final. Yes, I, I don't think in, in the long run how they play against Derry, they might try some stuff. But like, uh, were they lorrying ball into the full forward line the way they did against Mead yesterday, or was that just a, a, a thing for me? Are they are they waiting on that? I think the nuances of what Dublin are going to do won't emerge until they play somebody good, mm. and they're not going to play somebody good for months. Anyway, uh, we have one more in the green. It's yep. France. Like we're we're not gonna we're not gonna talk too much about this. Uh, France were amazing on Friday night. Now we should bear in mind that a virus ripped through the Netherlands squad and they were missing four or five of their best players. But notwithstanding that, um, Kylian Mbappe, the captain, he wants a hat trick to overtake Michel Platini this weekend. 
Mm. Uh, tonight please don't do it tonight Killian he's like I might get it tonight I'm not oh, sure will I get it tonight young. you're young Killian yeah. I don't know take it easy whatever he decides to do he'll do uh, right uh, okay that was uh, this week's version of the Gillette Lads performance rankings OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette we should tell you there is breaking news from Australia that Cora Staunton has called time on her AFLW career the uh, Giants all time leading goal kicker and games record holder has called time on her AFLW career. Started in 2017, so it was a five and a half, six year career. Played 50 times across six seasons in the competition. The first giant to play 50 games ever for the club. And uh, and was her last match was against the round 10 match against the Gold Coast Suns. So uh, not a bad career. Cora Staunton has managed to have to be one of the greatest Gaelic footballers of all time. And then head to Australia and to be one of the most successful AFLW uh, stars as that league gets up and running. Um, so yeah we wish you uh, all the best in your retirement from that game and the other game and I presume there'll be a lot of club football in your future where uh, defences are going to be absolutely terrified about what comes next in uh, Okomeo football so anyway an incredible career from Cora Staunton 10 minutes past 8 this morning Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off the Ball coming to an Apple Green near you new Braeburn locations popping up every month visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn coffee experience. Up next, Gavin Comiskey talking the Republic of Ireland. Here is some Sunday pay-per-view goodness talking Evan Ferguson. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, Gavin Comiskey is with us to talk to us about the Republic of Ireland against France. Kickoff is at 7.45 tonight. Uh, Gavin, have you picked your probable team in the papers today? I haven't had a chance to check it yet. I have, yeah. Um, there's a couple of either ors though. Um, looked like Seamus Coleman sh- trained, but he trained for the first 15 minutes yesterday. So if Seamus is declared fit, I think he might bump Darrow Shea out of the team. Otherwise, it's McLean comes in for O'Dowda, Egan Collins, Doherty Bazunu, Cullen, Knight Malumbi, uh, Evan Ferguson, and I think Ogbeni's legs up front as well to run all night. Um it's interesting, right? Because Vinnie Perth has been in for the last couple of weeks and he thought that Adam Eda, if he was fully fit, was actually going to be the first choice for the the games and that actually there might be a, a sense of perhaps holding Evan Ferguson in reserve, which, you know, we were talking to him, it's like, that that is a tricky high-wire act to play when you're a manager who has very fragile confidence, particularly from um, the, the press pack. And if you were not to pick your Wunderkind, for the big game, it would just seem like a kind of, you know, very risky high wire act. That's that's crazy. I don't think that'll happen. Um, I think Kenny's putting, Stephen Kenny's in a good position at the moment. No matter what happens tonight, I still think he's in a good position. Like, you saw what happened to the Dutch. There's absolutely, it's very hard to see how Ireland can, avo- Ireland can avoid a 4-0 defeat, but there's no, like a 2-0 defeat or a 3-0 defeat. Like, most teams in the world should be, will have to, would have to swallow that. Um, I think honestly back in December when Kenny was plotting this game and with Keith Andrews and John O'Shea I do think that they considered Adam Eda as the, the perfect outball guy up front on his own with maybe Benny or Obafemi off him um, he was beginning to play for Norwich again I, I watched one Norwich game and he wasn't playing well he hasn't Kenny says he's Adam Eda's been consistently in the Norwich team he hasn't been a couple of 90 minutes in a row but one goal it's since December. Um, 
No. Uh, Ida is fit again now. He has recovered from that foot injury. And I think before Evan Ferguson starts scoring goals and start doing, start proving himself to be a Premier League caliber striker, yeah, it was going to be Ferguson off the bench with Ida. But then that's all changed since he's got, he started going on this goal spree since New Year's Eve against Arsenal. So, God, if, if he held Ferguson tonight, um, he really needs a result. Yeah. You can't leave him out, can you? No, I don't think so. Uh, there was the other um, thing that uh, Vinny was talking about was perhaps like having a, a, a box of four midfielders. And so um, it, you could play Knight and Malumbi and Cullen and maybe Smallbone or somebody else in that role. So it's it's actually, they're kind of, it's two tens behind Ferguson as a an outlet. So you don't actually play a second striker and then you have Ogbeni in reserve uh, and you have Obafemi in reserve if you want it, but that you've got a lot of hard-running midfield power uh, to try and counteract what France is going to do tonight, which is obviously very, very difficult because they're so bloody good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not a bad idea, and that wouldn't be alien to this squad because before they went three-five-two, that was the the two tens behind the striker was how they played against, say, Serbia at home, Portugal at home, and that was how they showed out, and Ida was very good in that system. But uh, yeah, that's. I think three in midfield is enough. Well, yeah, this is the thing. Do you play like Ferguson is a kind of a nine ten? So you, uh, that's why Obafemi has a chance. But tonight's a night for work and running and athleticism and staying focused in a game. Obafemi, I think, is definitely the future of Irish football. But I don't know if he's the man for tonight. And uh, I don't see how he, he hasn't shown enough for Burnley to convince me that against the Champions League, fully stocked Champions League 11, he's going to um, make an impact. So I think it's, um, I think it's a, like Kenny's right when he, he plants his flag and goes, we're not going to go backwards. We are a team that will, <laughs> he said he was one of the, Ireland, one of the best passing teams in Europe, which is plainly not true. Um, I think he kind of, created a rod for him for his back there with that comment yesterday but otherwise um it was great to hear what he said it was really bullish it was really a kind of a battle cry going we're we're going to stay true to our principles that we've developed over the last two and a half years um so yeah if there's if there is a box in midfield if it is a three three two two one system that's fine they've done it before they only kind of went away from that in the last year so yeah, that's understandable. When you say Gavin, it's a night for, for work and running, it's almost like a blueprint for Will Smallbone's game. And he'd probably consider himself unlucky not getting into the team tonight, given his performance against Latvia, albeit being a friendly. But I guess the problem there is, who do you leave out? Yeah, I think it's ideal for... I don't think it's ideal for Will Smallbone, simply because he's the kind of player that needs to be on the ball. And I just don't see how he gets on the ball with Rabiot to Gamani. Mm. And even Griezmann, see the way Griezmann created the first goal by slipping back in and putting in a slight tackle on that poor Ajax midfielder. Um, so, no, I'm, Knight and Malumbi are running machines week in, week out. Granted, in League One for Knight and, and Malumbi at, <clears throat> in the championship, but they, are, they, will <clears throat> they will run themselves into the ground. Um, they have Josh Cullen then sitting in behind them. And that does bring us a, a, a relative security. But... Um, I watched. I was lucky enough to go to a lot of couple of France games during the World Cup in Qatar, and I watched uh, the Australia game in particular. Mbappe was like switched on from second one at the World Cup. It was, it was as good. A, it was a revelation. He, it was, a, it was like a thrilling and excitement to see as you compare it to any other sportsman or any other sportswoman I've ever seen. Um, Atkinson from Hearts was 
it was the right back against him for the France Australia game, and Maddie Cash, Maston Villa was the right back, and Kyle Walker then in the England game, and they were all doubled up. They were all protected every time, and even he still did that first goal he scored against the Dutch on Friday night there, where the slightly diagonal run and he just leaves people for dead. He still does that when he like Maddie Cash is brilliant. You can find a couple of interviews the Aston Villa fullback who's got a Polish grandfather. You can find a couple of interviews with him about how he. Um, I watched him. I watched him. I didn't watch the game. Dan McDonald was sitting beside me and all I did was watch Maddie Cash that night for 90 minutes mm-hmm. and Dan watched the match and he was world class. He stayed with him. In the first 44 minutes, he dispossessed Mbappe clean and walked out twice and he got put in his ass once and then on 44 minutes, he tried to foul Mbappe when he was setting up the goal for Giroud. Um, and again, I don't think Giroud will start. I think Colo Moane is another one who's going to come in and he's going to retain his place. But um, you can do whatever. What I'm trying to say is, you can do whatever you want with Mbappe. Um, if you stock up too heavily, there Griezmann will switch to play, and they'll do you on the other side. Now Dembele's not playing, but Coleman looks okay. So um, yeah, it does. I, 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 there, there's no need for hope or like that tonight. It's just about them. Um, you, you just want to see Ireland play above themselves. But they've never had this test. He, he can. Kenny's kind of pushed to. Uh, we had Portugal and Serbia. This is a whole other. It's a whole other different level. It's not comparable. Yeah, just for anybody who's forgotten the World Cup, obviously they beat Australia four-one and they beat Poland three-one. And uh, on those, you know, and like Matty Cash, I, I I swear to God, go back and watch this. He had the game of his life at right back, and Mbappe got two goals and an assist and destroyed him two, three times. And there was about another six occasions where he was just world-class, where we're reading the play and tackled. So the, the range of outcomes here <clears throat> does include us getting absolutely annihilated. Like, you know, there is a possibility, Mbappe's talking about um, trying to break the 41 goals uh, to catch Platini in the, the role of honour as he tracks down those records. And he seems to be very enthusiastically chasing those records as opposed to just being kind of manufactured. Um so it, it it's not beyond the bounds of possibility <coughs> that they absolutely kill us tonight. Yeah, but there's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could have beaten uh, Argentina like five three in the World Cup final. You know, this is um, this that's, is just something that's giving me comfort, Gavin. Is it? <laughs> yeah, um, look, it, it, a bit more optimism, it, lads. Come on. No, I think it, it, I, I think I think it's important to set the the scene. Yeah, here. of course. Like, yeah, yeah. We, this isn't a back to the wall heroic nil all. Likely, that's very very it, unlikely. Like he could he could score five goals and catch Griezmann. But um, when I was writing the preview about this game, you have to be first of all you have to be you have to deal with reality, and then you have to deal with the greatest Irish qualification performances ever. And none of them, we didn't see them coming. Like we, I remember 2001, September 2001, we didn't see that performance against the Dutch coming. What we knew was we'd be competitive and, and the Netherlands would have to earn their right to go to that World Cup. We didn't know that Roy Keane was going to cut through the back of uh, Overmars and destroy uh, a, a future Barcelona midfield in Kaku and Van Bommel. You know, we didn't, we didn't, it, it just came, it happened. We knew there was the grounds there for a performance. And I think that the grounds are there for an Irish performance tonight. One of the greatest ones we've ever seen at Lansdowne Road, like something that, like I know that Kenny, uh, the management showed the players the seventy-seven and eighty-one wins. Liam Brady's lovely little goal in seventy-seven, and Robinson's winner the three-two win in eighty-one. But like that was Platini's get, that was Platini's team, and this team is better. Like Marcel, Mar- put it, let me put it this way: I'm going to on much about their attack. This, I thought their solidity. The Dutch had chances, and Ireland will create chances. But Marcel Desailly has gone on record saying this is the greatest French defence he's ever seen. 
<laughs> and he played in that 2000 back four uh, with Lauren Blanc. Um, so, yeah, I thought their back four um, looks really, really tight. Um, Kanate and Upaka, uh, our Milan centre-back, um, like they haven't missed Varane. That was, that's, that's probably the scariest thing. So, yeah, we have to be realistic, but special Lansdowne days do come from mm. people like me saying they've no chance in <laughs> 10 hours before kickoff, you know. So, you know, that's these they, there is the possibility for it to happen. And as Kenny said, the atmosphere will be electric. But he he also said we're one of the best, better passing teams yeah. in Europe. So, I, I, th- I think the atmosphere yeah. will be very good. I think that uh, the crowd will definitely get behind them. And I think that, you know, we, we can hope. One, one thing you, you're talking about, uh, if Coleman plays, it's in the three as opposed to the right wing back. Is that your instinct at the moment? Well, for starters, he's played in the three... Well, no, he, sorry, last, at the end of last year, he did play, he played right wing back, but he's got a tie strain, so you're not going to play him right wing back. And also, he's proven himself decent there in that centre of the three. Also, he's such an influential figure. If he did, did get through that training session we watched yesterday, we saw 15 minutes, but he got through the other 45 minutes of it. I just thought Darrow Shea's distribution was poor. I thought Obama Benadeli was poor against Latvia. Um, he looked a bit rusty. He was struggled in the air. But O'Shea, who's normally such a good passer, was you have to judge him on what we saw. And Egan comes in, is nailed on. Nathan Collins is nailed on. And Darrow Shea w- probably is a favourite, but if Shea McComan is fit, you just can't go into a game of this magnitude without someone of his experience. Um, and he's having, he's having a grand season. He's playing Premier League all the time because that young Scottish right back at Everton is injured. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Coleman. I think you have to lean into all your strengths here um, for this one. Um, every single one of them. And Will Smallbone, yeah, you make a good point about him, but just this is a whole different level of quality. And Will Smallbone's all about, you saw how great he was just in that little inside right channel. Um, yeah, maybe, but I think Malumbi and Knight because Ireland just won't have the ball. Maybe Although the French, do, the French do let you have it a little bit. So we'll see if we are as of the standard European level passing football nation tonight we'll find out pretty quickly well, it's grand it'll be, it'll be nearly with 10 minutes left and Mikey Johnston will come on and take a few, take them on with a few runs and it'll be grand but uh, I wish he, Mikey possible. Johnston got name checked by Deschamps by the way by Deschamps last right. night um, yeah we, it was like it, the circus is definitely in town I was in the Aviva yesterday about 6 o'clock and uh, Mbappe was up first and they tried to do a rehash. The French media tried to do a rehash of that his state of the nation last Thursday, where they were throwing political questions at him and all that. And they were going, "Oh, so you're up again? You're not going to share the leadership?" And he was like, "Look, I'm the captain. My manager has asked me to come forward." He switched into English, perfectly fluent English. He's ready to break American uh, 2026. But Deschamps, um, neither of them fell into the old trap. You know, the British style, we expect Ireland to be um, aggressive and strong. They said the opposite. Both of them were briefed on that one, not to not to give motivation to the crowd straight away or no motivation to the team. They said Ireland are not just a robust team anymore. They're, we watched them. They played three at the back and they're both their eyebrows raised when they were saying this. Um, and they said they know they're good. And Deschamps name-checked Ferguson and he name-checked uh, Mikey Johnson. So they, they definitely watched. They're definitely working off the Latvian br- blueprint for how to... Mbappe said he only watched the first half, but I think that's enough, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I contain a multitude. All are good and all are bad. So we can expect plenty of shots from outside the penalty area. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, but also, like the, the the goal that we concede is the goal that that Tukamani scored, the first goal against England in the World Cup quarterfinal. So that's that's the one. And the, I thought the gas thing about that was England built their structure around not allowing that shot to happen. 
as in Kyle Walker was does a really interesting piece by David Walsh on the eve of the World Cup final in the Sunday Times, where he it, buried in it. It was really about Southgate saying, "I'm going to stay on as England manager." But buried in it is a piece about how Kyle Walker was told, and this is Kyle Walker, the greatest right back of all time, was told not to cross halfway, and that's how that was their plan from Mbappe. And the one time he crossed halfway, the system. The system broke down. They went down the right. They got the ball across, and Tugameni had a look at goal. So they consider what we consider like unbelievable goals to beat us in the last whatever two three years from Azerbaijan, like Armenia, Latvia. They consider that like something that they want to create. They want to have a look at goal from that distance. Um, but we only concede those goals against Minos, so it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bazzini will save them tonight. Gavin, good stuff. Enjoy the game. Thanks a million. See you, lads. Gavin Comiskey, the Irish Times there, giving us a uh, preview. The uh, tab of the morning to you. Fergui time. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I've heard worse. No, I'm, I'm having that one, yep. The, in, the, in fairness, they're having, a good, they're having a good morning at the sun. Uh, the clock's gone back again. Oh, Good timing. Very good. Let's see what they did there. Although it did spring forward, fall back. You know. That's fair. Uh, yeah. okay, so. Semantics. A little, a little bit of... Um, we're going to give them a little bit of artistic license this morning. It's 8.28. You're watching OTBAM or you're listening to us on OTB Sports Radio. We're live every morning with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Let's get the view from France. I'm delighted to uh, welcome back to the programme Jean-Philippe Leclerc of L'Equipe. Uh, Jean-Philippe, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Um, what are your expectations for what might happen as France play Ireland tonight? Uh, it's going to be tough because um, every time uh, we go to play to uh, to Ireland, it's always tough. Uh, I remember we we won one nil uh, back in uh, two thousand uh, it was two thousand nine November for the the infamous qualifying for the for the World Cup in South Africa. It was one nil uh, Anelka. Uh, even when um, I remember two thousand five uh, with Zidane uh, and uh, in Croke Park, I think, and uh, we only won one nil. So it's, we we're optimistic, but uh, we know it's not going to be a, a walk in the park. Uh, it was very much a walk in the park on Friday night against the Netherlands. What did you learn from that? Was that was that what you expected, or was that a bit of a surprise? Not at all, because uh, it's the first time since the fifties that the, the French national team, that the Les Bleus, were leading three 0 after 20 minutes, and it was not against uh, Luxembourg or Malta, no, no disrespect to those teams, but it was against uh, Holland. So nobody really um, expected that, and uh, it was a big surprise. It was just to the fact that uh, apparently the, the Dutch team, they had food poisoning the, the night before, and uh, some um, major players were not on the pitch. But uh, but the French were, were quite impressive, and... Um, the way that we we attack right from the beginning and the, the pressure that we were able to put on the on the Dutch defense, yeah, that was a really good game. One of the best I've seen from France um, since uh, yeah a long time. Even during the World Cup, I don't remember remember we played that level. Maybe the last twenty minutes in the final or some some uh, some. Uh, Years of times against England, but um, it was a very good game on uh, on Friday. I think when we heard last week, Jean Philippe, about the, I guess the aggro between Griezmann and Mbappe over the captaincy, we're thinking from an Irish perspective, oh, this is brilliant. The French are fighting with each other, and there's going to be controversy over the armband. But it appears from the body language on Friday night that uh, I mean Griezmann and Mbappe get on just fine. Is the captaincy issue uh, a non-runner? Uh, 
Yeah, as long as we're winning, there's no issue. <laughs> but uh, if we don't win tonight and uh, if we if we lose, uh, it's going to be an issue again. So, you know, it's always the same old thing with, uh, with football. But uh, it's true that there was a bit of controversy last week because um, Griezmann, being a senior player, he was expecting to, to get the captaincy. But, uh, but uh, Mbappé, yes, and I think Mbappé has been very clever on that because uh, he knew that um, his relation with Griezmann all over the years have been, you know, like uh, ups and downs, Russian and mountains, we can say. Like this... And uh, so Griezmann was very diplomatic. Uh, and Griezmann is a, is, is play. Of course, he's got a huge ego, like all the star players. But uh, he's also very clever, and he knows that he needs a good Griezmann uh, for for him for the team. So he did a lot of uh, a lot of gest- gestures uh, uh, toward Griezmann. They had a talk together before the game, and um, and. The first goal is uh, is is brilliant because it's uh, Mbappe giving the the ball to to Griezmann and uh, there was some speculation even in France that if he hadn't been captain maybe Mbappe would have kept the ball and tried to to score himself but uh, it was a I mean it was a perfect beginning for his captaincy and uh, yeah we we hope he's gonna be like this for tonight and uh, for the the rest of the qualifying. Kolomuani uh, obviously got the opportunity to start the game. Was it his dummy that allowed Mbappe to run through and, and score? I'm not sure if it was. If it wasn't, it was a beautiful piece of skill. But he obviously fits the system really, really well. And there's no hangover for him personally from the World Cup final either. No, no, because, uh, you know, uh, um, Griezmann, the problem was last year, uh, it was more with his um, with his club, with, uh, with Atletico Madrid, and it was with the French national team. Um uh, he had some ups and, ups and downs with with France, but uh, I mean, once the situation was was fixed with Atletico, it was a totally different player. And uh, now he's one of the senior players in France, you know, with the French national team with Les Bleus. And uh, there's a lot of respect for him for what he has done in the past. And uh, I think um, every time he comes to play for France, you can see a great smile on his face. And uh, so and uh, the. The, his position on the pitch uh, is very different from what it was when he started to play for France, where he was really up front. Now he's really he's, he's in the key of the game. Uh, he's, he's, uh, all the games is going uh, through him. Uh, he's like a, a kind of a box-to-box players with a lot of running, with a with brilliant tackling, which is uh, very very much Atletico-like. So uh, yeah, it's really at the heart of the game. So there was a bit of a yeah a problem for his ego that is is not the captain. But I think he has fully recovered from that. What's the perception, Jean Philippe, of of this, this Irish team in France? Uh, I guess Evan Ferguson being the the guy that everyone seems to be talking about. I know Mbappe and Deschamps were referencing Evan Ferguson as well in their pre-match press conferences. But what, what's the opinion of this Irish team uh, over there? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we did uh, in L'Equipe uh, today, we did, uh, we did uh, an article about, about Ferguson because he's the new, the brand new, uh, the brand new star of Ireland. But uh, uh, honestly, uh, there's always a, li- a lot of respect for, for, for the, for this team. Um, and, um, I don't think you you can find anybody in France uh, this morning who's going to tell you, oh, you know, it's only Ireland. We're gonna we're gonna beat them easy, three, four nil tonight, no problem. Well, nobody, 
we don't expect it to be as tough as it was for rugby players uh, <laughs> a month ago. But um, but it's never easy to to win uh, in Dublin. We know that for sure. So it will be a, honestly, it will be a surprise if if we win tonight by by two or three goals. We we expect a, a tough game. Uh, we know we know the the Irish the Irish fans. They are among the best in the world, and so we know it's going to be a, a lot of pressure on our, on our blue tonight. So, uh, of course, when you look at the clubs that your players are, are playing for, I mean, a lot of them are playing uh, for uh, for a uh, Div- Division Two Championship in in England. It's not like uh, the clubs that the French are playing for, but you know, once on the pitch, it's a different story. It's not only a question of where you are playing. Uh, uh, during the week, it's it's only a, a question of, of of the country you belong to, of the spirit, of uh, you know, and and we know I can't remember uh, a, an easy game against Ireland, even during Euro uh, home in Lyon, we only beat you two uh, one, and uh, and you opened the score, so it's always tough. Um, the decision that Deschamps made to come back and continue as the French manager. Is it your assumption that that will be for four years through to the World Cup in the United States, or do you think it's uh, tournament by tournament? I think it's going to be tournament by tournament because uh, there was no controversy in France about the fact that that uh, that uh, Deschamps would keep his uh, position uh, because the French uh, reached the final and we were very very close to win the World Cup. But uh, every, a lot of people thought, including myself and Lekip, that it would have been more uh, reasonable to, for him to to sign for two more years, not four more years. Uh, and uh, this decision was only the decision of uh, of, uh, of Noël Legret, the ex-chairman of uh, the French Federation, and uh, he has been kicked out of the of the, 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 the presidency since that. So now, I mean, if um, yeah. Deschamps, even after what he has done for France already, uh, which is huge, he has to do well uh, during the Euro. We have we have to reach, uh, we have to qualify first because it's not done yet, and uh, far from that. And uh, of course, and second, uh, if we reach the the the, the final tournament, uh, yeah, we we have to we are France. We we have to, with this quality of players. You expect at least to reach the the semi-final, if not the finals. And and even Mbappe was very clear about it yesterday during the press conference. I mean, uh, he said that France is here to win the the, the Euro, uh, no less than that. So uh, it's I think Deschamps has signed for four more years, but for me it looks like more like two more years. And um, in the past, Deschamps is not the kind of guy who's going to stay. Oh, I've signed my contract for four more years. Uh, and you have to uh, have to stay for more years. If he doesn't do well uh, during this Euro, I think he will be clever enough to say, "Okay, I'm done, and uh, and uh, let's move to to to, uh, to something else." So yeah, it's two more years, not four more years for for me. The strength of depth, Jean Philippe, is, is something that that's quite incredible in this in this French team as well. When you when you look at the likes of Olivier Giroud, for example, uh, not getting into the starting team, this might sound like a ridiculous question to ask of a team that's that's just got to a World Cup final and just beat the Netherlands four 0 But are there any weaknesses in this French team? Like w- w- when the decision is made by Deschamps game to game to pick the eleven, are there any areas of the pitch where there tends to be a little bit of contention as to to who is picked? I can tell you that if you keep it for yourself, if you don't tell the... I'll, I'll, I won't tell Stephen Candy, don't worry. 
Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, of course, we we uh, even during the World Cup, not all games were perfect. Far from that. I think uh, in defense, we we have so many um, fantastic central defenders, but on the wings, it's not the it's not the same story. And uh, we have a lot of problem uh, on the right and on the left in defense. Uh, we the players that we are playing are usually central defenders that we have to play on the wings because uh, we don't have natural talents. Uh, we have uh, Teo Hernandez, uh, but uh, apart from him, I mean, uh, I mean the, the 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 solution on the right, especially, um, are not. We have only very few. Uh, Lucas Dean is still a solution. Uh, one of the few natural. Uh, right left wing that that that's, uh, that we have so it's not um, it says a lot I think but um, yeah and um, in France um, there's still a doubt for tonight about uh, Coman because he was not very impressive on Friday nights so we think that maybe Giroud is going to play uh, number nine and that Colomani is going to move to to the right that's a possibility because. Uh, uh, Coman has been quite uh, not very. I mean, he hasn't scored for his last twenty games with France, <laughs> which is a lot in the dominant team. So there's still this doubt for 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 tonight. Okay, so that that's one potential change. No sign of Kamavinga being a starter yet, despite the fact he's playing brilliantly in the Champions League. Uh, who Kamavinga? Oh, Kamavinga, yeah, yeah, Kamavinga is, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's the difference between uh, Real Madrid and France because um, Kamavinga is playing in midfield with uh, Real Madrid when Chouamini is on the bench, and it looks like um, uh, Deschamps uh, trusts more um, Chouamini on the uh, in the midfield, and uh, he said at the beginning of last week, this first press conference, I think he said that uh, he was more considering um, Kamavinga as um, as a defender. Which is a bit, uh, which is a bit strange because uh, even when he was playing for Rennes, he was more uh, a midfielder and um, a midfield player. So yeah, um, but we we have this. I mean, Chouamini was not was kind of good on on Friday nights. So I'm nearly one hundred percent sure he's going to play tonight. Okay. But yes, we still have uh, Kamavinga as a potential uh, joker in the midfield. One last question for me. Um... Zinedine Zidane currently it always feels like he's he's a presence in French football almost irrespective of of what he's doing and at the moment he's not doing very much what what do you see in the near to medium term future for Zidane uh I think Zidane uh, I mean of course he was expecting the he always said he wanted to to uh, to coach the Le Bleu and uh, maybe he was expecting some uh, you know some problems uh, from his his ex that he made uh, Deschamps to take the team after the World Cup, which which didn't happen, so it was pretty. I mean, we, we have one reporter who knows him very well, and he's not in a hurry to take a team. So he's not, you know, he's not going to rush to the next team uh, without uh, without um, uh, a coach. He's going to take his time. Uh, there's a possibility he's going to take a team for a club for for um, this summer for next season. Uh, we don't know where exactly. There's always a possibility we'll come back. Uh, and there's a time to Real Madrid if uh, Ancelotti is, is leaving. That's the most obvious uh, solution, I think. Um, 
there's always this dream from the Paris Saint-Germain uh, owners to have uh, to have uh, Zidane uh, in Paris Saint-Germain, but I think it's not gonna, never going to happen as long as uh, as uh, Nasser El Khalifi uh, will be uh, the, the, the the president of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, so yeah, and. Um, I don't think he's, he wants to, to coach in England because he always, he always said uh, he needs to speak the language and um, he doesn't speak uh, very good English. So, And um, also Juventus, what's going to happen with Juventus? It's one of the club you would like to, to coach, but the, the, the future is really uncertain. So, yeah, but he's not in such a hurry to, do, to take a team. He's, he's Zinedine Zidane, you know, he's not... Uh, is not like like the others he's special mm-hmm. he is not like the others that is true Jean-Philippe Leclerc always great to speak to you merci beaucoup merci à vous Jean-Philippe Leclerc of uh, L'Equipe there giving us his thoughts ahead of tonight they're less confident of victory than we are confident of their victory playing it down isn't he uh, you have to wonder what game's been played here but no he's, he's like I guess his point is that historically they have been relatively tight games yeah you know and, and Ireland do up it for the big ones don't they yeah like I'd expect a, better, a much better performance than the Latvia game. And, and look, there's a difference in personnel as well. Uh, I mean, when you watch the French game, French game the other night, you're like, this is ridiculous. Now, the middle of the park is going to be is going to be fascinating. How Ireland deal with the likes of Chua Mini. Um, I, I just... I, I think the closer it gets to kick-off, the more optimistic I'll be. Uh, blindly optimistic, perhaps, as a Republic of Ireland fan. But that's the beauty of it. We, we, I mean, I'm not going to say we're going to get something from the game, but I'd, I'd love them to... Put in a performance that that will give you some confidence for the for the Greece games, for example, in this group. Uh, maybe the Dutch game at home. One nil in 05, Thierry Henry scored that goal. The French team that night. Uh, okay, so the defence is Coupe and goals: Jean Alain Boomsong, William Gallas, Willie Sagnol, and Lilian Thuram, who was still obviously class. Uh, Dorisou in midfield, alongside Makaleli, Patrick Vieira, Zinedine Zidane, Thierry Henry, ah. Sylvain Wiltord. It's not bad, is it? Jibril Cissé came on for Henri after he'd scored. And um, our team wasn't bad, though. We'd uh, given uh, Stephen Carr, Kenny Cunningham, Richard Dunn, John O'Shea, Damien Duff, Roy Keane, Kevin Kilban, Andy Reid, Robbie Keane and Clinton Morrison. You'd take that team tonight. You'd certainly take it. I, mean, I think they'll, they'll look back on, on this French team in 10, 20 years and you'll be like, well, that's outrageous. Yeah, I think... I think I think Kamavinga is not in the, not in the starting lineup. Can't get in. Uh, we see him more as a defender. Like, did you watch the game against Liverpool recently? Where he was like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, how how is a, a, a question for our uh, watchers this morning on YouTube? How are you feeling about it? What give us your predictions? Stick in the comments there, and we'll get to some of them uh, over the next while. You need to be a subscriber. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash off the ball. Hit subscribe, and you can leave a comment on the live feed at. Uh, 8.45 Carl Milani is with us Carl good morning to you how are you good morning lads how's it going it's an unbelievably busy weekend and plenty to look forward to this week hopefully it kicks yeah, off well I mean the the Allianz Leagues and everything took centre stage yesterday and then you had loads of stuff happening with the golf was on late last night as well um, I mean it was a it was a it's a bit of funny sort of Allianz League campaign I know you'll be chatting about it now in a, in a few minutes um, I think Galway Mayo in the final is interesting three Connacht counties in the top three in Division 1 mm. You've had the Donegal situation in Division 1, Monaghan pulling it out of the bag again yesterday. Uh, and then the hurling, I mean, it's it's hard to know where teams are at. Limerick and Kenny will be a decent final, but what sort of stock they'll be placing on that, I'm not sure. I think both Limerick and Kilkenny are confident enough that the league final is going to be a one-off, as in there's not going to be any negative impact from a defeat, so you can actually go for it if you want. Mm. Uh, in, a, in a kind of weird way, like Kilkenny are, are definitely going to be uh, coming out to the All-Ireland series 
you think Limerick are definitely going to be coming out to the All-Ireland Series. So in a weird way, it kind of frees them up to just go hell for leather for this one week. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And um, I think Limerick looking possibly even better shape than they have been in recent seasons. The depth that they have is just unbelievable. And uh, the Limerick tip game on, on Saturday night was at a really good level. And you think Tip are playing really well. And then Limerick just uh, put the foot on the accelerator and breeze past them and, and win it pretty comfortably in the end. So they look to be by a distance out in front of the chasing pack. In football, I think you've got a similar situation, as you say, where Limerick and Kilkenny can go for the, the hurling league final. That Galway can probably have a cut off Mayo in the in the football league final, and that they have that little bit of a gap to potentially play Mayo again in the Connacht semi final. And it's interesting to note some of the comments from from some of the Galway camp that they don't have Division One medals in their dressing room. That it's something they'd like to get their hands on. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how Mayo approach that final in particular with Roscommon coming down the track. The Sligo Leitrim game looked like absolute yeah. mayhem. To be honest, yeah. and Andy Moran, uh, rightly or wrongly, I think rightly perhaps uh, he was given out. I think there was thirty seconds maybe left on the clock towards the end of the game. I think there was maybe talk of Carabine taking too many steps for one of those late points. But I mean, like you see that in, the, in GA all the time. And then after the match, he's given out as well about the the schedule, which is probably a fair point. The schedule is very difficult for both counties in that uh, New York are going to be looking at Leitrim as a very winnable game in the Connacht Championship and London will look at Sligo has been a very winnable game, even more so now because Sligo only have a, a seven-day turnaround, mm. uh, Saturday for the league final and then playing London the following Saturday. So there are two matches really to watch, but for Sligo it's brilliant. Um have to give Leitrim a lot of credit. They were eight points down and they pulled it back to lead by a point heading into the closing stages and credit to Sligo that they, they pulled it out of the bag. I think Sligo have a lot of grounds to be optimistic now about the future with our under-20s won last year, the Connacht Championship for the first time, the Miners won the year before for the first time since, I think, 68. Uh, Summerhill College from Sligo Town were in the Hogan Cup final. St. Attractors won the Connacht Championship at B level. So there's a lot of good stuff happening. Um, and I think Tony McEntee and his management team have done a great job. And O'Sheen McConville getting promotion in his first yeah. year with Wicklow. Yeah. Like, that's remarkable. Yeah, well, the thing one. was that yesterday Sligo needed to win, I think, to bring Wicklow up with them. Yeah. Mm. And whereas if Leitrim had won, I think Leash might have got promoted. Uh, there was a four. <laughs> I think Wexford even had an outside chance of promotion this weekend. So Division 4 is really, really tight. Um, but that, that's the beauty of the league, isn't it? Where you have teams at the same level competing like that. And from what I can gather, there was a great crowd in Carrick yesterday, around 5,000 and a brilliant atmosphere. And obviously they could meet in the championship as well. I'd have loved to be able to see all these games. Do you know, I know GA Lee Tables had a brilliant kind of almost live update of the tables on his, on his Twitter account, which was a brilliant service. But you'd love to be able to see some of them in Division 4 and even Fermanagh as well in Division 3. I wanted to watch Fermanagh Calvin. Um, there's just a number of games you'd love to be able to see. Yeah. I mean, we're surely getting there. Surely, mm. are we, I mean, are we still like multiple years away from that being uh, realistic? At least TG Car were bouncing back and forth. Yeah, um, but e- even still, like I don't know, we're, we're there's just a few little bits that need to happen before we can get the coverage that I think will actually kick the sense of the league on further. Mm. You know, it would have sucked in the casual viewer in a way that um, maybe it doesn't always. Uh, loads of other stuff happening. Yeah, lots happening. I mentioned McElroy uh, last night. He actually coughed up a two-hole lead with three holes left to play at the match play championship uh, to lose in his semi-final to Cameron Young. Sam Burns ended up as the winner there. He beat uh, Cameron Young in the final and uh, McElroy beat Scotty Scheffler in the third place playoff. So obviously all eyes on the Masters now uh, coming up very soon indeed. Uh, Antonio Conte, of course, sacked last night or left Tottenham last night by mutual consent is the uh, word from the club officially. So he's gone from that job after 16 months uh, in charge. Uh, you got the course 
Staunton news in the last little while. What a career that she's had, mm-hmm. uh, having gone down to Australia. Remarkable. I wonder, would she be tempted to come back to uh, inter-county football with Mayo uh, in the summer? Who knows? Oh, I didn't even think of that. I just thought maybe club football, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, Stephen Cluxton's back with Dublin. Hey, uh, so why so not? Poor Staunton, maybe with Mayo. It's a very open uh, All-Ireland Championship as well, you would think, after the league campaign. So let's see what happens there. And uh, elsewhere in football this weekend, speaking of the Mayo women's footballers, they retain their status in Division 1 of the league yesterday. Donegal going down after their loss uh, in Letterkenny and Galway and Cork will play off in the very Camogie League Division 1A final. That's after Galway's win over Cork yesterday by a single point. Alright, good stuff Carl. Thanks, Thanks for that. Lads. Frank says, I'm praying the Italian restaurant returns my booking for tonight is incomplete. I confuse my days. And Shifty Lad says, I'm not as nervous as tonight about tonight as I should be. We'll definitely put everything into it and it might not be enough. It'll be Gibraltar and Greece that I'm bricking it for. Uh, and back to Frank says, eating a row of cheese and watching a hockeying will be too much for me. Ah. So you can always stick it on your phone, can't you? Depends on who you're with. That's the thing. Optimism, though. Can you stick the phone on the... Have a nice... And you may as well, like, make up for the fact that you're watching a hockeying. I don't go to places where you eat cheese and wine. I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the protocol. I mean, not posh enough. Cheese is not posh. Uh, uh, like that? French peasant food. All oh, right, okay. Well, it made by farmers in the hills. Brie, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Not a cheese man, not a cheese kind of guy. Uh, so many to choose from. OTBAM with Gillette Labs, get the ultimate shave or your money back, Neon Night Edition available. Now, we were talking about Andy Moore, and we talked about this more during the week. Um, so Tommy was at the game, was doing the post-match, and they're absolutely raging about the scheduling, but specifically the impact that it's having on players' injuries. So here is the Leitrim manager, Andy Moore, and speaking to Tommy yesterday. I would say is the scheduling is an absolute joke. It's uh, like our schedule, it actually helps us that we didn't win in terms of scheduling for New York. We really wanted to win because we were prioritising the league a tiny bit more than New York trip. But you look at them Sligo boys, they have to go up to um, Crow Park next week and then they have to jump on a plane then on probably the Thursday or the Friday and go over to London and play a championship match on the Saturday. Mm. It leaves them wide open and it, it, it like honestly now, and I'm not, not talking for Tony McEntee, if, if we were in the same situation, we, we'd have been jumping on the plane to New York. It's not fair. It's, it's not fair on players in terms of it's not fair on players in terms of uh, try to prep Joe the amount of, like I think Michael Dyden came out last week and said the amount of injuries like when, when, when I was in college back in the noughties all the uh, studies were about burnout and what we're going to do and now we're just absolutely flogging our young players our elite players with games upon games upon games and when this is all over they have to go back to the clubs and play again so someone has to shout stop and I hope with the level of injuries now the likes of Tom Parsons and these guys step up and say we're not allowing our players to do this again in 2024 I think that's really interesting that uh, Andy Moore and his name checking Tom Parsons there because obviously he has his number they were teammates and so he could have just spoken to him but he's decided to speak to him uh, publicly through the media so we'll definitely follow up on that over the course of the rest of the week Anthony Moore is with us to look back at the rest of the weekend's Gaelic football uh, we'll start with Division 1 I think and um, yeah why not uh, we've been talking about this a bit over the last few weeks like some teams need a click of form and some teams need strength and depth and other teams realise that nothing matters until the group stages this year <laughs> yeah. so we don't know what we don't know in terms of periodisation and teams training through stuff but Kerry a bit flat and concerns about the goalkeeper and a few, few more question marks than maybe they would like at this stage of the year um, I don't think so. I think they were actually... I thought it was a great game. It was a really, really good game. You could see a marked difference in the speed of the game. Um, it was... 
The intensity was good. I thought the referee did a good job, allowed allowed it to flow. It probably was a, at a level higher than a challenge match level um, with intensity-wise and, and tackling and stuff like that. But speed, it was definitely at that kind of a middle of championship pre, just, just you know, kind of after one or two rounds, both teams going at it, loads of pace in it, um, lots of players coming back for Kerry, you know, Gavin White started, um, O'Connor came off the bench, um, he was pretty ruthless, I thought, O'Connor, Jack O'Connor, in whipping a few lads early, even, and getting other guys on, um, but they showed, um, I thought, you know, they had a real go at it and, and and it was a real battle of the heavyweights to be honest with you Jer. I thought the keeper was you know I thought he was unfortunate for the goal you know he probably should have just fisted it he actually went to catch it and because he went to catch it his, his left hand hit the post and it just bounced out of his hand um, apart from that I thought kickouts were fine I think they both both teams just kind of conceded the kickout the first half 16 of 16 with a couple of minutes left to go the, the graphic showed up yeah yeah well. yeah so they were they were playing a plus one at the back obviously, obviously Galway where um, and you know they obviously had a plan for Clifford I thought Clifford was poor actually um, you know he, he but but Kelly showed you how to play Clifford and the only way to play him is as soon as the ball breaks down you go yeah like he, he joined the attack I'd say he must have joined the attack he could have joined the attack 40 times mm-hmm. he just literally went and even out a couple of times when Clifford was beside him like there was one little clip where Clifford's actually tracking him and you're kind of thinking, okay, he's going to stop now. But he continues on, and he gets a hand pass, and he gets fouled for for a free. Um, he was he was like, it's the one thing. Sorry, I think his defending lacks a little bit at times. But as a, but as a, as a plus one coming from that defence, when he goes, <clears throat> he goes extremely hard. Kelly, extremely you're talking hard. about Kelly, yeah, okay. yeah, full best full back in the country probably at the minute on form. Well, I think yeah, and I think I think in doing that, in what he gives you, you know, because he never he never half commits to, mm. you know. So so as 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 a, as a forward line, you're nearly because Kerry I thought were a bit were a bit surprised by it. Clifford obviously wasn't going to make those runs back. He made a few, but you don't want him all the way sixty yeah. yards from his own goal. So they allowed him to go, and Galway most definitely had an, had had a plan, which was as soon as he goes, let's find him because he didn't go down the right wing or the left wing. Jerry, he kept it going straight down the middle, mm. and he always added an option. And then of course he's smart enough when he gets into those areas that he just looks for okay, where's the pass, and he's smart enough he's a very good he's an intelligent footballer so he gets your head up and he passes the ball so it's 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 definitely something that people will mark and go okay this is how we put them under pressure um from a Clifford point of view now at some point Kerry are going to just say you just stay where you are they counteract it, yeah, yeah. So they'll get another player to tag him as he goes, yeah. you know. So a half forward or something will, will will observe and then click it up. But but it's still hard enough to pick up, you know. It's still because you sometimes mm. you have to do it because it will add an extra man. And if you're playing as well, it it can be, you know, a lot of teams do it. Just not many teams do it from a central point of view. From a three, they usually do a two or four. Uh, they've been called coming in under the radar so much that they're now like being heavily on the radar on all radars. But go away, like with. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a free or maybe it's a, a 40 with um, a minute of the four minutes of stoppage time on the clock. And Sean O'Shea decides, right, I'm going to stick it over the bar and we get possession back. And then they don't get possession back. Yeah. That was like Dublin-esque from, at their peak from Galway at the end of the game. They're very impressive at the moment. And, and if you watch, there's a couple of great scores they got where they're working off loads of yeah. angles, loads of runners. I think Tierney had one of them, yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think it's the one you're talking about mm. in the first half. And if you watch, I rewound it three or four times just to see where he starts. And it's, it's absolutely 
training ground stuff, but it's seamless. You know, it really is seamless. You wouldn't, like, unless you really observe it, you're like, okay, every single player there knew where they were going. It was just, a, it was a, like a double cross, and Tierney just comes around, mm. he gets the jump on the man, and as a defender, defender never has a chance, because he he just goes, he literally just waits for the option, you know, the, the, the defender's eyes get taken, and he pops the ball over the bar. They're playing really, really good stuff, Galway. Cool. And they're one of the, I was looking at all the defences. Um, so the top defence in the first two, or the, t- the top two divisions are Derry. They've conceded at least 69 scores or something like this, which is ridiculously low. Um, but Galway, I think, are second. Right. So, so they're really mean at the back now. You know, and people would have always said, and even when I played, it was always kind of nearly a shootout with Galway. You know, it was like, you score, we score. Let's see how we go. You've got some great forwards, but your defence is a little bit... Apart from the Kevin Walsh era when they got slaughtered for being really defensive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was yeah, this, but I Joyce has built on that. He has, you know, in he, fairness, like, I mean, like, he's a, a, like a, Porik is, is, is a... He's not a guy who's just done... A lot of managers will come in, you know, and they'll rip it up and just say, good luck. Well, he, he did that at the start, and then there was a come-to-Jesus moment yeah. where he realised, actually, you know what, everything Kevin Walsh was doing... Was wasn't bad, and they've they've married the two exactly, and that's worked out really well for them. But and look, that shows great maturity from any manager who comes in and goes, "Oh, I'm going to do it my way," and then has the humility to listen to what the players are saying and what the results are showing, and then to change it. So there's a lot made of the, like the, the likes of um, uh, Tom O'Callaghan and Mar as well coming into the team. But like to see Comer come off the bench with his bionic leg yesterday, you're like, "Well, this is an option." Straight away, you could see that he was being used as an option for for balls in, which is going to add an extra element to this yeah, yeah, going yeah. team. Boost off and back. And they'll want, as we were saying earlier, they'll want a Division 1 title. Like, Big time. You know. Absolutely they will. Yeah, because they need to get, some, well, not that they need to get, but it's 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 another little tick, you know, as as regards silverware. You know, it's not, a, it's not the be-all and end-all for them, but players back, Comer uh, gets a score, you know, causes a bit of mayhem, but they're very, I always remember a few years ago where they were knocking on that door they were a little bit light up front. Mm. You know, they'd one or two options and it was kind of like if we could just if we if we sort that out, you know, they don't have enough power and pace really to break us down. Now they've a bit of an ability coming from all over. They have loads of forward yeah. options it seems. Lots of them. I think the maturity that Shane Walsh has at this stage of his career too to be able to play whatever way he's required to play mm. uh, as opposed to obviously it was complete Hollywood stuff in the All Ireland final last year, but that's because all the rest of the forwards were bottled up. Now you feel like um, he he can influence a game irrespective of whether or not he's at the absolute peak of his own powers, and that's been a long time coming. And that's doesn't everybody doesn't always get there who have who are blessed with his talents. No, true. And I think I think they they kind of tried to overplay him a little bit in the first half. Yes, they were looking for those popped balls in in front of him, uh, and Kerry were aware of it. And exactly as you say, so they just changed it up. And he changed it up, actually. He kind of started to come out and forage a bit more out around the half-forward line. I think, look, they have a very, very good management team. I think they're a smart management team. They can play it different ways with you. They're getting a bit more cynical, much more cynical. Um, they have a lot of big men around the middle mm. who are very mobile and who can take scores. And, you know, but by the way, I know we're talking a little bit about I thought Kerry were equally as impressive. Okay, and Kerry, right. And Kerry uh, let's get into Kerry then, because... I wasn't sure if um, Kerry are one of those teams who literally have one, maybe one and a half games where they're going to be at full pelt yeah. between now and the group stages. And it looks like their draw in the group stages is going to be 
relatively straightforward as well. Um, so it's th- like they can plan for an All Ireland quarter final weekend and to be peaking for that. Yeah, I think like they they, they started off slow. The, the the goal was 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 a, was a bad goal to concede. But at the same time, when they needed to up it and go through the gears, they did. Um, Clifford had an off day. Okay, from a, from a forwards point of view, um, Paddy Clifford I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yep. Like he got around the pitch. The amount of work he did. He was playing as a twelve yesterday, which I thought was interesting. So they were before playing him in kind of a thirteen, and then letting him forage out, doing that kind of quarterback role. But so he was much deeper actually this yeah. time. Like he was picking up balls off. The full back line, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he he seamlessly just cuts through as he, you know, he kind of slaloms up the field, and it's like no one can get a mm. touch on him, left foot, so right what, foot. What difference will that make in the summer um, if if they were to do? Because they're obviously trying there for a reason, and maybe it's like we want to get kilometers into your legs, we want to get you, you know, feeling the weight of the ball, and in summertime yeah. they go back to. It. But maybe they don't. Maybe this is like he's actually going to be a half forward, and some of the other players who we've been talking about maybe do make it into the team by the time yeah we've and like I know we've been it's nearly every week we've been all kind of saying okay is he is that the next is that the next corner <laughs> forward well actually I think if I was in a race now I'm saying Tony Brosnan is, 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 is the leader to get in I'll tell you why I'm not comparing him I'm not saying he's he's gooch right um, he has a lot to go to get to Gooch's level but what he has is his his ability to see a pass and when he gets his head up so the pass last week mm. where he does the no look pass where he swings it across with his right foot right to left he did another one yesterday yeah. where he's just actually I think he gives it to Paddy Clifford all the defence is kind of everyone is looking this way everyone is moving with him and then he just switches it back I think I think in Crow Park with some room around him so I'd say he's the one to come out to centre forward if you get me to kind of yeah. go around there. Sean O'Shea will do his his robust style as rounder, and Clifford will drop deeper and and will will supply the balls, and then he'll have that that ability, and then they'll isolate Clifford, who will be have the ability to move left or right on you as a full back line. And if you have someone, I think O'Shea. O'Shea's kind of always his MO has been get it and move whereas Brosnan is get it and just slip and look for a pass and I think that's one thing that they're missing that quick ball in but it's a smart ball So it's a good combination to have and also it gives you a deeper playmaker now as well Correct So you don't lose anything by not having Paddy Clifford doing that role because you've got somebody who can do similar Exactly or, or evolve into somebody who can do similar and now you have Paddy being able to do that from the half-back line Well what have most teams done with Paddy? They've put a man on him. So Hessian did it with Mayo. Mm. They just put him on him and said, right, wherever he goes, you go. So that's okay. So if you want to follow me all into into my own full back line, that's yeah. okay because I'm now bringing you all the way up with me and actually we'll get Gavin White or we'll get Thomas Sullivan to go. Yeah. I'll, I'll play a bit of a rope-a-dope with you so I won't really and then I can get onto the ball as the ball comes up the field because we actually have a player up there who can now pass just as good as me so I think Brosnan is the guy who is for me if he continues in the way like I heard Jack O'Connor saying last week I'm not surprised by that he's a very talented player we just need him to get more confident that's the type of thing that I think that they, they, they need and little <laughs> another weapon yeah. for the rest of the county to, or the country to deal with I don't know where you lads wanted to go next but the, the Tyrone Armagh game was fascinating for me because you take yeah. out the relegation even but like Tyrone co- kind of coming back into it but uh, Kieran McGinney I don't know how he's going to be feeling this morning because re- relegation for Armagh is probably disastrous w- when you look at some of the counties it, it, like it's probably his last year let's be honest with, with I don't with know Armagh. I don't like, know I, 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 I like so the one I love McGinney as Kildare manager I mm. thought it was great from uh, not being relevant they were suddenly relevant 
and you see what's happened ever since, right? Yeah. So, like, I definitely would attribute a lot of the, the success of that period to him. And you talk to anybody who was involved with it, and they say the same. But he was never that interested in the league. I always thought if Kildare were going to make the breakthrough, that they mm. needed to do a Monaghan on it and stick in, learn to manage games, learn to be a Division One team, so that everybody who comes to training every week is always at Division One standard. Yeah. And, and so the legacy of that era was that we were a Division Two team and have been a Division Two team basically ever since, with occasional up and down, up and down. Yeah. Um, the new Ross Common, uh, and if I think if Armagh were going to be serious contenders year in year out then that would have been a good thing for them. But he doesn't care about that. He's never cared about it. And so I don't think he's that worried about the fact that they've been relegated. I think he's more worried about the fact, as he says, that they've, they've lost a lot of close games in the last 10 minutes. So That's what they have done. You something know, a bit yeah. weedy. Well, they've lost a lot of close games. Yeah. They, they've, you know, they, 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 so the last two games, like the Galway game was a bit of a sickener for them. That, that was a game I thought they should have scored more in the first half. Then they were playing against a Gale the second half. They couldn't contain Galway and they got bet by two points. Let they got beaten by two points yesterday. Mm. They got bet by a goal by, from Armagh and they got bet by a point, I think, against... Who was the last one? The other one. Can't remember, but they were bet by a point. So they've lost four... You know, by really, you could say two by two scores and then two points each. I think they've been desperately unlucky, but I think they've been a bit of they've kind of written their own downfall to a certain degree from being a team last year that was swashbuckling, kicking the ball very offensively or you know kind of ordinated, really, really going at it, going at the juggler to a team now that has kind of gone. We're nearly a little bit afraid of it. I know people are saying he needed to tighten up, but I think they've overly tightened oh, we were talking to Morris Brosnan about this on Friday and he was making the point that the uh, the transformation in style is, is very marked and that actually there's a significant uh, change towards a shorter game than the long game they were playing mm. part of me wonders again you're in the league you're like we're going to do this we're going to perfect this but we have the other game plan to go back to mm. when it comes to the championship so that over the course of the group stages uh, we'll need both of these styles to get to an Ireland quarterfinal yep. and then if we're going to beat Derry or if we're going to beat Galway or Mayo or Dublin then we need more than one thing in our armoury because last year they were very reliant on uh, somebody doing something miraculous to get them back into games or to change the pattern of yeah. games so yeah. And they were kind of reliant a bit on that. Remember that quick early ball, the, yeah. the O'Neill lads into Rean O'Neill. You know him doing something brilliant with us. Which you know, again, I've, heard, I've seen people say, "Oh, you know, they're playing him like a Murphy, and that they're allowing him drift out." They know what he can give you at full forward. And so, if Rean O'Neill was fit yesterday, maybe they get the draw, and maybe they're a Division One team next year. Correct. No, there's only Absolutely. two points in it. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think he will be disappointed in the fact that now he'll probably look at it and say, "Well, did we actually?" Are we in a situation where we kept it very tight? So what is it? What what was our defensive structure like? Okay, um, I didn't look at the, the the actual stats on them, but they're probably top five or top six over the over the first two divisions. I would imagine because I don't think they got blown out mm. in any games. No. So they kept it relatively tight. But I just think you're right. You know, again, Kieran's a smart guy. Okay, he's a good backroom team. They're going to be able to decipher what exactly they need and when they need it, and who. And also, I think they're tailoring for certain teams. Like if you remember the Kerry game, they definitely factored that one in. They were kind of saying, "Listen, this is a potentially. So what do we need to do to try to stop these guys?" Yeah. So they went ultra defensive. They did the same for Galway. Yeah. Um, so I think, but I, I think I said it last week. It got a bit of paralysis by analysis. It's it's hard as well when you when you you don't have these guys seven days a week. 
Okay, so it's hard to overload stuff. You know, you need sometimes just that natural kind of instinct mm. and that natural game plan to come to come to the fore. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll be okay. They'll pick themselves up. They'll be okay. They'll be ready for championship. But it's again, it's 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 later on that they're, that well, they're aiming for. It suddenly becomes a, a high wire act for them mm. after a bad league campaign. If Ulster goes bad, confidence before the round robin would be very low. Do you know, but after the first two games, they beat Monaghan <clears throat> away. I remember in the in the first game of Blaney, and I think. The Mayo draw was the next game. So after two games, you're thinking, well, Armagh have three points. They're, they're going to be oh, yeah. looking for a Division yeah. 1 final yeah. here. Never yeah. mind staying yeah. up. Yeah. And also, you know what you don't like hearing these rumours, WhatsApp rumours and all this stuff going on? I didn't get too much into it, but you just don't want to hear that. Mm. No, it's um, it, it's suggestive of a circus. And, yeah. you know... Um, yeah. Now, they all showed up with shiners yesterday. The five of them had shiners, including McGinney. Well, what was that about? I don't know, and he wouldn't say. So, I mean, yeah, well, like, if you're going to create a bit of mystery, you know. Yeah, exactly. I presume it's something to do with him doing BJJ, and it was like, you know. Rins, what's yeah. that camp? I punched him or something. 07, the South African rugby team went to the camp. Oh, yeah. For the World Cup. The, with yeah, the, yeah, the, the, vibes with that. the army. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mad yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Camp yeah. murder or something. Was yeah, yeah. Um, Cluxton. A big deal, not a big deal, just a good sign that yeah. you're managing resources properly when there's uh, depth chart issues at goalkeeper? There are. Like, Evan Comerford is injured. Uh, I believe, you know, he's he's on the way back. He should be back, uh, I would say, in the next three to four weeks. So he will add, obviously, to it. I think so. You know, it's it's weird. The goalkeeper is a weird spot. You know, you can play, like, in the Premiership or in, you know, soccer, you can play till, you know, 40 Tino's off, odds, still playing. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and, you know, goalkeepers are a certain type. Um, Cluxton will keep himself fit. There's no doubt about that. Does he have the ability, the agility, the strength, the nuance? Is it someone that they can trust within the camp? The problem with, with bringing fellas in, it, championship teams... You always do the old A's versus B's, but then you'll also have a couple of A and others dro- dropped in, kind of who are doing mm. well during the club season or whatever it was. That was the old way. So you get four or five lads to come in on a Saturday afternoon, and the the big question mark was if there was a guy who was a real, you know, standout, but could you trust him? And what's his demeanour like around the group? That's box ticks for Cluxton. Yeah. But, you know, because Cluxton was never about him. So he's never going to walk in there and go, it's all about me. And so Farrell is going to know that he will seamlessly slip in if he needs to, but he will also have an aura and a presence within the dressing room. Yeah. I mean, suddenly the dressing room has a lot of uh, knowledge back in. I, I, so we were having this debate earlier on about, oh, he's not coming back to stay on the bench. I think that he may well be coming back to be a player who is ready if called upon but is not first choice I, I, it'd be it'd be difficult to drop David O'Hanlon after the league campaign he's had absolutely yeah and he's played really well so Cluxon would need to be unbelievable in training and in challenge matches for that to happen yeah and I also don't think I honestly don't think even if he was sorry he would have to be if you were marking him out of 10 O'Hannon would have to be down around 3 or 4 and and, and Cluxon would have to be 10 out of 10 at every, for me to kind of go as a management team we put him in because I actually think it disrupts it too much by putting him in so then someone will ask well then why have him there well you have all the other reasons to have him there his experience his know-how his his his, his demeanour his personality in that he'll help O'Hanlon mm. rather than come in like some fellas who come back they're just trying to cut the legs off you you know yeah. get rid of you yeah, he'll yeah. actually help him he'll help him along the way he'll probably say to him listen and not in an arrogant way he's not that type of fella he might just he'll offer up his, 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 his knowledge and his experience and he'll say look maybe try it this way or whatever he's it is also potentially a future Dublin manager and 
do you know, is there like a, a sense of like them handing this on? In, in I, I, I doubt they're even thinking about that, Jared. To be honest, that's 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 you know, I I, I would say Farrell knows we're under pressure with a goalkeeper. Do we bring a belter in from some place that we don't really know? Uh, we've seen him play. He's been in a few challenge matches. Or do we go back to the tried and test? Yeah. And do we go back to a guy? They probably know Comerford's coming back as well. In another few weeks, I think the, the injury's being managed now, so it's probably just at the, 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 the last kind of degree of it. So they're probably saying, well, listen, he's a good guy to have around again um, in the dressing room. And it's, it's that leadership thing. Like, we're talking about leaders. Like, you know, with, with another Division 1 team that are now Division 2 Donegal you talk about leadership and and you know Jesus yesterday they were absolutely yeah, putrid yeah. putrid like Roscommon I, I kind of Roscommon coming into the championship game against Monaghan and we were debating this do you want to be in a Division 1 league final where's the mentality going to be Roscommon would not want to read too much into that yesterday because Donegal's second half were just literally just 20 picked. of the 21 points I think were from play yeah. Was common. It was ridiculous. No, don't you go, there was so much. If you watch it, talk about a lack of fight, a lack of effort, and no, um, no bounce from the bit where they're involved in the removal of the manager. You expect mm-hmm. the team at that stage something. to give something. The question I had for you lads was in Leinster. Liam Jackson's goal for Leinster was brilliant. They showed some signs of a team that could be the number one or sorry, number two team in in Leinster. But mm. getting to that Leinster final now, all of a sudden, for Kildare and Meath, is huge. Oh, it's massive. I mean, well, could they playing the dubs in the semi? So, well, sorry, they're not. Yeah. They're not going to make it regardless. Sorry, unlikely, Jeff, of course. But yeah. the likes of Louth play Westmead, I think, in the quarterfinal in Leinster. So there's some big games oh, there. Yeah. Well, there's potentially Loud Mead semi final. Right. Uh, yeah. Tommy has them second as the second best team in Leinster at the moment. I, I, I can't make a case that's yeah. Kildare are better than them. They were in the same league as them. They played all the same opponents and they finished behind them. No, I can't. I, look, you know, you look at it. I thought they were. They thought they were never going to win that game. I thought always Dublin were in control, but they had a couple of goal chances that I think would have made it a little yeah. bit more interesting. Um, and again, they've lost a lot of really good players. Some of their best players they've yeah. lost over the last number of weeks. Sam but they're very well set up. You can see that. Um, but they learn from it. Mickey Hart and Devlin will learn from that yesterday against Dublin. Um, of course, the last lads are the Houdini boys. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, of course, we just need to go there. I'll leave that. But I, 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 you want a bit of posture in this morning? At least. I have, I have, I have nightmares about Monaghan, Jer, and I still, it still. Oh five, me. yes, oh five. Like I mean, this is where this. I don't know what it is. Greatest like, day I mean, of my, that was some, the greatest day of my life. Something by the way. Division was, two league final. If you don't remember, Paul Finley lobs the ball in. Monaghan two points down. Last kick. Anthony's on the God, pitch. Sean Boylan <laughs> up, up against Banty. Ah, it was, it was, I, I don't know what it is. There must be a relic buried in Monaghan <laughs> because literally since then, and it's probably before then. But I, there was there was five of us on the line that day. Paul Finley. They, I think we were two up. You were two they up. They yeah. had to go for goal. With last the last kick. kick. There was five of us on the line, which included myself, Darren Fay, Mark Ward. I think David Gallagher was the keeper and some of the, 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 the cumulative height of just it got was chill about at 60 or 70 foot, right? The ball comes in, Wardy, won't wait, sorry about this, Wardy. I got a chill when you said Mark Ward's name there. <laughs> he puts the hand up, calls for it, and instead of catching it, he fists it, it slices off the top of his fist and straight into the back of the net. And still on by a point. Yeah. Wardy gets Monaghan Player of the Year that year, <laughs> and I think he did, he still got freedom of... Freedom of Monaghan Town, yeah. We, had a civic, we genuinely, there was a civic reception after that game in Monaghan, because... 
But that's, that, that has been the start of it. I cannot believe... Well, sorry. We did say it last week. And, and by the way, I don't think we disagreed with you. No, you didn't, for sure. Uh, no, because no. Mayo put out the I did, team. actually. I thought they were gone. Mm. I thought they were going to be gone, but... Anyway. It, did, it did help. It did help with Mayo's selection. Yeah, but you know what? You can only beat what's in front of you. Keep fair, fair play to you. Right. Yeah. Anthony, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers Anthony Maud's with us this week looking at the uh, weekend's Gaelic football. It's 17 minutes past nine. Slightly later, we've got Alan Quinlan up next talking to us about the Sunday paper. Or sorry, about the weekend's uh, rugby. Uh, Camp Staldrad was oh, the uh, uh, South African camp. Uh, on the OTV Podcast Network today... Republic of Ireland players speaking ahead of tonight's game. All the press conferences from during the week. The best of the GA interviews from the weekend, post-match included. And Brian O'Driscoll in conversation with Rena Buckley. It's a brand new series that we have. Make sure you uh, tune in for that. Follow OTB across all our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. Alan Quillen is next. You're listening to OTB AM. We could have we done a rugby version of the Gillette Labs performance rankings and I think you probably would have had Leinster, Connacht and Ulster in the green but there would have been red held exclusively for the Irish women's team and Munster over the weekend, Alan. Um, we can start with the bad rather and we can finish with the good. Um, will we start with Munster? It's your call now. That first half performance by Munster uh, was so disappointing because there had been such great signs of an uptick in form of bodies coming back, of a real sense of, okay, we know exactly what we need to do. Our destiny for the rest of the season is in our own hands. Let's go and start winning games, particularly against the opponents that they were facing. And they did not show up. They didn't. And it was a real kind of eye-opener for for, for that group of players. I think um, their attitude wasn't right either. Um, I think, you know, players will come out maybe and say... Yes, it was, and we were focused and we trained well all week and stuff like that. But if you're off a little bit of a couple of percent each player and maybe there seemed to be a lot of looking around and for waiting for other players to do it, um, I wouldn't over-panic. I, I think the reality is um, that if they come up against a very, very strong, powerful team, that they are short in certain areas, probably most notably in, in the front row. Uh, the depth chart... Look at what Leinster were able to put out Friday night in, in Michael Mill, and, uh, John McKee, Al Alatoa, and, and the level of performance with all the props in front rows they're missing. So there's a depth issue there. Um, but Kilcoyne started and got taken off at half-time. Yeah, it was he poor, was back and, and uh, he was. And, and I thought that he did really well for Ireland during the Six Nations, looked to have a bit of strength and power and, and he really good carries back for some reason, maybe... I don't know. Um, he he didn't really have a good first half at all. Uh, he was up against Xander Fagerson, who's a who's a really experienced, strong scrummager. So first thing, Glasgow really good. Mm. Picked a lot of strong players. Looked at this game and said, "We win this game. We probably, most probably, have a home quarter final." So they front loaded the team. Um, very good coaching set up there, um, and they looked like a real team right across the board the other night. Munster lost all the collisions. They were falling off tackles. They were slow and pedestrian. And unlike them, to be fair, Ger, we've given them a lot of credit here in the last three months, and rightly so, since that South African game. They'd played 13 and, and won 10, lost three, uh, two to Toulouse and, and one to Leinster. That's no kind of, there's no shame in that. This is the one, and it was a run of three games between Osprey Scarlets and Glasgow. And I was kind of saying it back in January, stating the obvious, you win those three games, um, go to Benetton, win away in the end of January and win the three home games and 
you turn your whole season around and from a league point of view you're, 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 they would have been looking at top four now they have a mountain to climb going to South Africa and um, but it, I, I, like I said learning curve they've got to look at that and say where were they wrong in the first half and if they analyse this they were really sloppy poor set piece was bad very porous defensively and this isn't just a, like the last game against the Scarlets they conceded six tries in that game they conceded five so that's 11 tries in two games. I saw someone tweeting the other day, it's record points conceded by a team since 2001-2002 season at home. So, um, And up to that point, their defence was really good all season. They were up near the top two or three with points conceded, but um, not good. Not a good night for them. Like the, just for anybody who didn't see the, the team, the, the, the uh, pack was Kilcoyne... Baron Salanoa started John Klein and Finning Witcherly Jack O'Donoghue who captained the team John Hodnett and Gavin Coombs like Hodnett and Coombs were supposed to be in Ireland you know mm. and both of those guys played pretty well John Hodnett was outstanding around the field as regards his work rate his energy the tackles he was making even in the first half yeah he was still flying around the place Coombs uh, probably not he came and played better in the second half but it's very, there's all of the rest of them you know you're Surprisingly, they all seem lacklustre um, and second best to the physical stakes. And Glasgow were really up for this game. There was a little bit of bite to it. And as I said, they really targeted this. So um, mentally a real learning curve for them. But they are short with, with, with depth. Um, it's not, um, I'm not saying Dermot Barron, Dave Kilcoyne, Rome Salanor, um are replace the three of them with three others and it'll be all fine I think they need more depth and it's kind of when you come up against a side that have a very strong like Fraser Brown was playing Xander Fagerson um, they're, they're in the Scottish squad they're strong internationals and they cause a lot of problems for for um, for, for, for Munster so very good Glasgow side to be fair but you can concede the tries they did the other night and expect to be happy with yourself. It's 28 nil at half time. Um, they were very, very poor and they know that themselves. OK, what fixes this now? Cause, uh, what fixes this now? I think, first of all, they've got to make sure that they, their attitude is right and that they learn and understand that when you're on a good run, it can turn very, very quickly with a sloppy performance, um, not being on it mentally, getting the emotion right. They should have been fresh going into the game. They hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, from what I'm hearing, the training is good. They they they're all seem very happy, um, and they've shown a lot of improvements. To be fair, you can't we can't just kind of like it doesn't surprise me because I still think the reality of the depth and should they not have picked a stronger team for that? Should should Snyman have started or like? No, I don't think. So. Um, look. The reality for RG Snyman and lots of people are asking me why isn't he starting? The guy hasn't played in eighteen months. So they're, they're the way they're in. playing now, Jar, with the fitness and the movement and the pace to their game, it requires a level of conditioning that's very very high, and he is still needs has a bit of time to go there. And you know you can't just put him out in the field and say he's going to play superb. It takes a long time. I, I've been there myself with the six month injuries. You, you, it takes a long time. So having him off the bench at, in the next couple of weeks will be really important. Maybe he'll start, but he needs more time. He needs more training. He more, needs more conditioning. Um, so he's he's not going to come in and fix it. Peter Romani, Conor Murray, Ty Byrne, 
not being there. Um, but like, they're not missing too many. That's so probably is, the worry. Yeah, is this a bit of a wake up call then? For it should be. Yeah, it should be. So they've given themselves a mountain now to climb, going to the sharks and 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 the, the stormers and the sharks in a couple of weeks. And from a league point of view, I know they go in there next week in the U.R. in the in the Champions Cup. But um, you've any hope for those two games, sharks and stormers? Uh, it's, it's 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 hard to know. It depends what kind of team. Sharks were poor against Scarlets at the weekend. Mm. Um, all the South Africans are at home in round seventeen and eighteen. So it, it's mountain to climb in some ways for for a lot of teams. And you know you would. It, it's really difficult. They've made it really difficult for themselves. But that sport, um, they were poor at the weekend, and they showed a lot a lot better in the second half. But. You can't start a game like that, and and um, I'm sure when they review, they'll see lots of people falling off tackles, um, a little bit lazy in defence. They've got much fitter, and their attack has been superb this okay, season. So, so there's a lot of positives around the way they've played. But I think what we saw at the weekend was the possible reality now in the next few weeks of that that this, depth, the okay. quality that you need throughout a squad. This is squeaky bum time for the important part of the season and everybody's going to have their full teams out. Correct. And so uh, this is the reality of where Munster are. If they can somehow pull out a performance next weekend in the European Cup, that's a massive shot well, in the From arm. an attack point of view, what we've seen the last few months, they've been really brilliant and they've showed that against you know Toulouse. In the, in the Champions Cup and Northampton tough games against very strong teams but some somehow or another I think mentally they were off at the other night that's right. not to say they would have won the game but if you concede 28 points at home it's impossible if they're you know even the mistakes they made when they were 21 set, nil up Glasgow Munster were putting pressure on the line get a try or two there get in one twenty one seven. it's a different story then but here's, it's just too much here's a question if, if the two teams that so Leinster obviously named a, a very depleted team compared to <coughs> what their first choice team is going to be if that Leinster team had come up against that Munster team you would have said Leinster would be slight favourites say that game was in Thomas yeah, in, yeah. in the league it's hard to know exactly when you see the two teams but what Leinster were able to do when the game was going against them was have the the Nouse and the game smarts to stop it getting out of hand, Correct. and then they got back into it, and that's the bit that you'd be concerned about. Well, they're pro- they're proving that they have an ability to do that, um, and that they have the players to do that. There's players in that Leinster team on Friday night who could potentially be challenging for international places if they were somewhere else. It's probably coming against them because there's so much depth there. Um, so many good players and a lot of young players who and obviously it's the level of cohesiveness they're at they're further down the road as regards their development and their their the kind of structure in in and the level they're at the standard that they're at training wise all that kind of stuff you've heard Dennis Leamy and Mike Prendergast speak about you know changing the way they play and the pace and the tempo these Leinster players are doing this for years so that was an incredible game Friday night wasn't it the reaction the pace Luke McGrath just sometimes I wonder why he's not out, why he's out of the Irish squad. He's superb, you know, fantastic. Reese Ruddock, Penny, Max Deegan, these players, John McKee, the hooker, he's third choice essentially behind the other two internationals. So just quality players right across the board, um, and the pace and tempo to that was was phenomenal. It was a great game. Okay, so we just need to rein our expectations in about how quickly this is. A little, little bit, and I wouldn't make. go overboard as regards. Um, it wasn't good enough the other night, that's the reality. I think they're better than that, uh, but they're not 
a team, and we've said it for a long time, that are winning European Cup or, or the URC. I think for them, being in the Europe next year and getting into the playoffs is 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 a bonus, and they need to get better. They need to recruit more. They need to get some more players in, um, and most notably in that front row it's to get more depth and quality there you know and if you the more internationals you have in your team the stronger you are right across the board but I think the performance of the weekend was Connacht um, they have won their last five four of those have been bonus point wins mm. out of nowhere now they're suddenly looking like uh, they're in a playoff spot and they're in Europe next year if they win their next game is at home to Cardiff you think they'll win that with five points that'll put them to 49 and then they're away against Glasgow in the last game. Glasgow may already have right, secured yeah. their fourth yeah. spot, <coughs> which I think they will. So they could be resting players. Mm. Yeah, so Connacht, it's in Connacht's hands now, and I think it's a remarkable turnaround. You know, if you end up winning seven, they've won five now. If they end up winning seven games in a row, well, you just got to tip your hat to them. Um, and I think they, the, the, the difference between Munster and Connacht on Saturday was... Obviously, Edinburgh are not going as good as Glasgow this year. That's, yeah, so that's a fact. Yeah. But that was a very strong Edinburgh team. A lot of internationals there, a lot of quality players. And Connacht just blew them away with pace, tempo, um, the attacking ability. Um, Caelan Blade was outstanding. He scored three tries. Cahill Ford in the centre. What a find he's been. Shane Jennings came on there. Looks like a great player as well. Um, and if they get in the front foot, Connacht like that, in good conditions, I think, and... Uh, they were brilliant at the weekend. And from an Ulster perspective, Quinny, <clears throat> I mean, Tom Stewart, I guess, is the man. I think it's 15 tries in his last, in 20 crazy, Ulster games. Yeah, Hattrick, crazy. seven in the last three, which is remarkable. A for lot of them are from malls now, given yeah, of course. one of their big strengths this year. Look, obviously, you have Sheehan, you have Herring, you have uh, Kelleher as well. But what, what, are the nec- what does the next year or two look like for, for Tom Stewart? Well, it's, um, he, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a really good player. He's abrasive. He's skill set. Um, his ability to carry around the field mm. he, he really has something about him um, he's a quality player and he's a great find for Ulster he hasn't just kind of come out of nowhere he's mm. been in their system for a while he was a very good schools player underage player as well I think he's a, he's, he's, he's a top quality player who um, who's going to start pushing the ones above the unfortunate thing you think for any hookers in this country is Dan Sheen and Ronan Keller, you know, they're probably going to be around for a lot. I know Ronan Keller, unfortunately, has had a, have had a couple of injuries, and but Tom Stewart is a great player. You basically need four full time hookers like who would be able to fit in seamlessly. Yeah. And, and with Keller's injury profile and Herring's age profile, you can see Stewart getting plenty of game time for Ireland over the next. Certainly over the next World Cup cycle, and I was saying earlier, it wouldn't be shocking to see him involved in the World Cup squad. Uh, we do have to talk about the women's rugby team and their collapse against Wales. It's a massive letdown. It's it's all the air coming out of the balloon straight off, and it's very difficult to see how they can turn that around to try and finish uh, anywhere other than it's a battle for fifth or sixth in the Six Nations. What happened? Um... They were overpowered, um, outskilled, and outmuscled by by a Welsh side that are obviously ahead of them. Um, it's amazing when you read stuff online, you read reports, and there's some people very critical. Some people are blaming the IRFU. Some people are blaming blaming the girls themselves. Um, <clears throat> you have to really 
for Greg McWilliams picking his squad, he's either picking the right players or he's picking the wrong players. That's the first thing. So he's got to back and believe what he's doing himself. I don't think there's any sort of uh, uh, decisions being made by him, cynical decisions of excluding players who spoke against the RFU. That's been mentioned a lot. I think he's trying to pick a team that he can build something for the future. There's a lot of young, inexperienced players here. The level they're playing at is still a problem. That isn't just going to have fix itself Ger, in, 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 a, in one fell swoop. I think um, what's happened with contracted players and all that kind of stuff, that's going to take time. It's power development. And if you look at the game, go back and look at the game at the weekend, um, the tries they scored were all power, strength, like there's two mall tries, there's two pick and goes tries. There's another try from uh, the centre just going straight through that defensive line off a of scrum, the back line, and the pace and the skill set of that it was was kind of frightening. So it was it was alarming to see the power and the pace and the skill set. All 23 of those girls are playing in in the English Premiership, and it showed the golf. Um, could Ireland have been better? Should they have been better? Yes. But I think um, it wasn't just down to power, their skill set, their development, all that kind of stuff is is, is further ahead. At a, at a structural level, though, it would be great if the RFU were able to come out and explain exactly how they're going to bridge the gap and what the plan is and what the time frame for that is. It feels a little bit like the, the contracts were reactionary and it feels a little bit like the RFU have constantly been on the back foot ever since there was a letter published to shame them into doing yeah, something. Yeah. They, they, didn't, they weren't out in front of that in advance and like their relationship with the women's game seems kind of a little bit like the old FAI relationship with the League of Ireland it's like we should do something this. how are we supposed to fix this oh let's get some people in and I don't think they're fully they don't appear to be as behind it as they are the men's game they don't they haven't looked at the structures and gone okay is there such, just something can we just rip this idea off from here and put this on here it, it doesn't feel like they're as enthusiastic about it as they should be yeah, if you if you look at the report, um, a lot of changes have have happened as a result of the report. I think if you if you go back probably a number of years, that's where the problems. It's 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 we've they've reacted to the report. Okay, they've reacted to the pressure, and I think they've done a lot of positive things have have started to happen. Like I've listened to girls and women's rugby in the last twelve to eighteen months, saying how brilliant things there it's great to get the contracts it's great to get the new changes the support networks the team manager the connection between the RFU and the women's team but they they are all employees you know yeah but maybe yeah but even some some people on the outside who are not of course there's people very critical and still going back blaming the RFU so we can stay blaming the RFU or structurally we've got to hold it to account I think oh no for sure for sure but it is what it is at the moment. You you have a bunch of very inexperienced girls who are finding their feet, and that's going to take time. That's the other side of the coin. There's eight of these players who were involved last year against Wales. There's so many new players in there. There's a lot of young players. Sive McGrath was making her debut at 18 at, uh, in the front row. You know what I mean? There's a number of players playing their first Six Nations game. Yeah. Um, so very rel- relatively inexperienced. So maybe Greg McWilliams is, has the answers. Maybe the you know I don't know as regards. I think the some of the, the implementation of the the what what the ladies wanted out of the report and what came out of the report. Um, they're going to take time, Ger, to to 
you know, get a return on that. And the, re- the reality, you have to deal in reality here. The other teams are further down the field. Yeah, I, I, I totally accept the other teams are further down the field and that uh, if you were planning this whole thing, you wouldn't start from where you are now. But it still doesn't feel to me like the IRFU are on top of the issues. And it still doesn't feel to me like... So, the, the, so what are the issues? Well, uh, the pathway from the club game yeah, to the that provincial is a big game. Problem. The fact that we haven't really invested that enough in, in uh, the contracts to even convince the, some of the players to come back from England. Maybe we should actually outsource for a couple of years. We should outsource yeah, some players So what's to happened is development officers have been put into all the provinces now to try and recruit more girls to upskill them. But that is at the very lower base level. So that should, stuff should have been happening years ago. And then you might have more players to choose from. They're playing at a higher level. And the si- simple maths of this is if you have, if you're a coach and you've a bigger group of players, a group, bigger pool to pick from, and they're playing at a higher level, it's easier. Half, you know, There's a number of these girls, Irish girls, over playing in the Premiership as well. If you had all of them over there playing week in, week out, would they be better, do you think? Uh, instinctively, you'd yeah. say, in the short term, obviously that's not your long-term solution, but yeah. maybe the right thing to do is to allow half of them, or, or help more of them to get over to England yeah, to play. I would think it'd be better, wouldn't in the it? Short term. In the short term. And obviously, at the, at the same time, you're trying to build up the provinces. So, uh, I don't know the chapter and verse of it, but I do follow some people who are constantly saying that the uh, the committee approach to it has been largely led by people who were responsible for the issues in the first place yeah. and that they're not actually addressing the, the long-term issues. So that's, you know... I'd yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And, I, and uh, look, these things have to be debated and, and the evidence of what we saw at the weekend, it was it was poor, it was worrying, it was... Um, they've got France at home next, which doesn't get any easier... Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Welsh team, from even from, you know, I was in the RDS last year when when Wales beat Ireland twenty nine seventeen, and it was the gap wasn't yeah, you know, it was you could see that it was a bit of strength and power to Pelota. She played, she scored a try at the weekend. She's um, she's a cousin of the Vunapolos, and uh, they've obviously rugby blood, and she's very powerful. But she played last year, but that game last year in the RDS. It came down to a, a little bit of power at the weekend. It was a lot of power. Yeah. It was a lot of the skills, the pace. Um, and in fairness, I think they reacted in the second half. It does happen. It was like Munster coming back when they're 28 nil down. The girls came back. They sorted their scrum out. Okay, we got to go. They, we'll they have problems. and um, Unfortunately, it's, it's we have worrying. five or six weeks of this to, mm-hmm. to look forward to, to talk more about it. Alan, good stuff. Thanks a million. On tomorrow's show, Kenny Cunningham live in studio for the entire show. Keith Tracy is going to join us in studio as well to react to Ireland and France. Philippe O'Claire will give us his thoughts. Uh, Kelly Harrington, more on the fallout from Ireland's fallout with Wales and plenty more besides. Right now, the best of the Sunday paper review uh, from rugby analyst Andy McGeady and co Ramblers boss Shane Keegan. Fare thee well. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.